Blog Talk Radio. Let's first take a look at the ratification of the amendment, because this is a matter of controversy that um, got me into a lot of trouble for raising it in uh, the Reconstruction chapter of my, my American History book. But I'm only repeating a, a totally mainstream interpretation. I found it hilarious. People never even heard of this before, the argument that the 14th Amendment was not constitutionally ratified. I mean, this, the old National Review used to just take this for granted. I mean, old, you know, old conservative publications, libertarians, all, all understood this. Uh, in the 1950s, U.S. News and World Report published an editorial saying, of course, we all know the 14th Amendment wasn't legitimately ratified. I mean, this was just sort of common knowledge. Now I say it today, and I get like Max Boot saying, oh my gosh, where did Woods get this crazy idea? Like I just invented it. Sort of funny. Well, let's look at, at what is the claim being made here. There are a few factors to take note of when we look at the ratification of the 14th Amendment. First, we have the fact that uh, to, the, the amendment was proposed in Congress and two-thirds of, of, of the people present voted to, uh, to, to approve the amendment. And then it gets, then it gets, passed, it gets uh, sent out to the states and then three-quarters of the states have to ratify the amendment for it to uh, take effect. Well, one thing we can note about the passage of the 14th Amendment is that it was not, shall we say, entirely without blemish. At the time that the amendment was uh, set to be voted on and, and discussed, John P. Stockton was a newly elected senator from New Jersey, and he was known to be an opponent of the 14th Amendment. And he took his seat, duly took his seat in the U.S. Senate at the beginning of the 39th Congress. Well, informal canvassing of, of uh, senators made quite clear that there was no two-thirds majority in favor of the amendment at that time. Uh, in fact, it turned out that the amendment would have been one vote short of passage. So, a motion was introduced uh, not to seat John Stockton. But he's already been seated. This is the problem. He's already been seated. So you can't really vote not to seat somebody who has been seated. If he's been seated you're supposed, and you want to get rid of him for one reason or another, you have to vote to expel him. But expulsion requires uh, a two-thirds vote. They didn't have a two-thirds vote to expel it. So they voted not to seat somebody who had already been seated. Okay? I mean, it's sort of like, you know, how can something be both A and not A at the same time and in the same manner? So they voted not to seat this man who had already been seated. Uh, and then they went ahead and voted to approve the 14th Amendment. Now that's, you know, it's really not legal, it's right, not, not a proper procedure, but that's, that's actually the least of the problems associated with the amendment. Then it goes out to the states. Now Tennessee ratifies the amendment, but here's how Tennessee ratified the amendment. The problem that was occurring in Tennessee was that opponents of the amendment were refusing to show up at the state house uh, and thereby preventing a quorum. Okay, I mean, you have to have a certain minimum number of people present in order to conduct business. Well, opponents of the amendment thought one way to prevent its ratification is just not to show up, and then they wouldn't have a quorum. Well, in order to get a quorum, uh, two of the anti-amendment Tennessee legislators were actually kidnapped and forcibly brought to the state house and, and declared to be present so that the vote could take place. 
Now, there are some sticklers, you know, who think that kidnapping is immoral, uh, you know, who, who would throw, you know, some doubt on this, the legality of this. And the f- thing is that when, the, when the, sp- the House Speaker called the roll, well, these two uh, representatives refused to answer. They refused to, to, to say they were present because in their minds, they weren't, you know, spiritually, they weren't present. They were only there, uh, uh, you know, under duress, I mean, really by force. So they refused to answer the roll, but nevertheless, they were declared present so that the, the, the amendment could be ratified. In Oregon, there was a situation that was at least as irregular as that one. In Oregon, you had a case where the legislature of Oregon voted on the amendment, and they voted to approve the amendment. But then it was discovered that two of the Republicans who had been elected in Oregon had actually not been legally elected. When they actually looked again at the votes, it turned out that Democrats had been elected in those two seats. So two Republicans were removed and replaced by two duly elected Democrats. So some people thought, well, we should re-vote on, on the amendment now that we have the legitimately elected people present. This time they voted not to approve the amendment. But they were told by the federal government, sorry, we take your first answer. Okay. <laughs> New Jersey. Now, New Jersey and Ohio, the irregularities there, are it's not quite so clear-cut. I mean, obviously in Oregon, there's no, that's, that's, uh, there's no excuse for that. And in Tennessee, there's obviously no excusing that. New Jersey and Ohio is not quite so clear-cut, but arguably there's at least some kind of irregularity here because both of these states rescinded their ratifications. And they rescinded them, though, before the amendment went into effect. It was still being voted on by other states. I mean, you could argue that if the amendment has already gone into effect and then you vote to rescind your ratification, it is probably too late. But arguably, they may at least have had some right to, to withdraw. But they were told once again, sorry, we take your first answer. And New Jersey in particular, at the time that they attempted to withdraw their ratification, they actually announced, they said that we, have a, we are fearful that this amendment has been del- worded ambiguously with deliberate intent so that in the future it can be used to deprive us of our liberties. Very interesting. Well, the most fundamental reason, though, that there was an illegality involved here is that here you had the southern states which they, they ratified the 13th Amendment in 1865, abolishing slavery. No one had any problem with them then. 1867 rolls along. The radical Republicans in Congress, who are the wing of the Republican Party who favor you know, a very harsh settlement with the South, now that they're in power, in 1867, they declare, the, the uh, other than Tennessee, they like Tennessee because Tennessee ratified the 14th Amendment, but other than Tennessee, the other former states of the Confederacy, the other 10 states, were declared in 1867 to be illegal, without legal governments. And they're going to be militarily occupied, they're going to be divided into five military districts, they're going to be deprived of self-government, they're going to have, in effect, military courts open. Uh, So that was all declared in 1867. That was said about the southern states. But at the same time, these same states were told, you have to ratify an amendment to the Constitution. Now they're trying to have their cake and eat it too because either they're legal states or they're not. If they are legal states, then you shouldn't be occupying them with the military. Uh, If they're not legal states, then you can't ask them to ratify an amendment to the Constitution because they're not legal states. I mean, you may as well ask France to ratify an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It would be perfectly irrelevant. So in other words, you're depriving them of all the privileges of statehood, but nevertheless, you're going to impose on them one of the burdens of statehood. You're going to actually demand that they ratify an amendment to the Constitution 
when you yourself have just said they're not even legal. The states, as constituted in the South, are not legal. So it's been argued that therefore their votes could not have counted. In no way could an illegal state, by definition, his, that vote for, for the, uh, the amendment be counted as a vote in favor of the, of the amendment. I mean, that, that's, that's not to mention the coercion involved here. I mean, one, there was one congressman who said that um, when, when the 14th Amendment was sent out to the states, Tennessee approved it, but the other 10 uh, southern Confederate states rejected it. It was a northern congressman who said, well, the southern states have rejected the 14th Amendment, so we are going to march upon them at bayonet point until they, they do ratify it. Well, most, you know, most legal principle, principles would have it that a decision that you're forced to make under duress is not legally binding. So, so we have that difficulty as well. And for these reasons and, and even several others, uh, very recently, like early 1990s, Forrest MacDonald concluded that the 14th Amendment was never constitutionally Number one, the 14th Amendment is very questionable as to whether or not somebody can come over, have a baby, and immediately that baby is a citizen. Uh, okay? know, the court has pretty much said you're that right. it reads an immigrant uh, well, there. This is a minority legal Chris, opinion you're talking about. there are about. many people that totally feel that... They that may are, want look, it that way. Amending is too big a deal. It's going to take... It'll be two terms. I'd be in my second term or my eighth year by the time, assuming everything went smoothly, because to amend the Constitution... It takes a long time, but I believe, especially on a very divisive issue. I believe you can win it legally, okay? I believe you can win it legally. And in any event, the parents have to leave. Given what most Americans believe, the next statement may be more shocking than any previous. The fact is, the United States is not a country, but a corporation contractually created by the Constitution. Your state is a country, per the law, and your original citizenship is of that country. Our founders instituted themselves to be first and foremost citizens of their respective states. As of 1787, those states already had formed a union, and they created the Constitution for the purpose of perfecting that union in forming a national government. They did not intend that the new nation have any jurisdiction or powers over the states or their citizens that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. They stated this point quite clearly in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. They granted the United States exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square as may become the seat of the government of the United States, our District of Columbia, and to exercise authority over all places purchased by the consent of the states. And that is all. The framers further secured the rights of the people with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. In the Ninth, they established that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And in the Tenth, they made clear that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. The only way the federal government can have any jurisdiction beyond these constitutional clauses is by written permission or contract. Which leads us to another piece of the puzzle, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, ratified in 1868 following the Civil War. As barbaric as it may sound today, 
the black slaves prior to the conclusion of the Civil War were legally considered to be property with none of the rights or privileges of free-born people, only duties. The money interests took advantage of America's desire to free the slaves and found a way to use the swiftly adopted post-war constitutional amendments to enslave all of the people. The deceit is in the wording of both the 13th and 14th Amendments. You will note that the 13th Amendment provides that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States. But why the emphasis on involuntary servitude? Isn't it the same thing as slavery? Sure it is. But they had to mention the concept of involuntary servitude because they wished to retain another type of slavery, voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude is an ancient and established concept. It was the way serfs became subjects to their lords during feudal times in England and other European countries. It was a way for free men to earn a living at a time when all property was held by a select few, and thus anyone who wanted to farm and support their family had first to agree to be subject to a lord of the land. Our forefathers hated this concept and designed our Constitution to exclude titles of nobility, making all Americans sovereign. The 14th Amendment turned the intention of the founders on its ear by making voluntary servitude a requirement for former slaves to gain the rights already guaranteed to free-born United States citizens. When the slaves were released from their involuntary servitude following the war, their status was changed from that of being property to that of being a person, but being a person still entitled them to none of the rights associated with citizenship. So the 14th Amendment ostensibly was written to provide the former slaves with the same constitutional rights of free-born American citizens, but only if they agreed first to become subject to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, making oneself paramountly, that is, first subject to the jurisdiction of the laws of the United States, however, limits access to parts of the Bill of Rights, as we'll explain in a moment. But first remember, anyone who voluntarily subjects himself to the laws or jurisdiction of another is, in every way, obligated to abide by the terms of any contracts or laws established by whomever establishes the rules of the contract. In simple terms, this meant that the former slaves became subjects first to the United States, and secondly, to the state in which they lived. They had no sovereignty whatsoever. This status had never existed in the United States prior to that time. The 14th Amendment created a new class of citizenship in the United States, a second-class citizenship. Up until 1868, every American was a paramount citizen of their state, and by virtue of that, also a citizen of the United States with full individual sovereignty as guaranteed by Amendments 9 and 10 in the Bill of Rights. But so-called naturalized citizens, or 14th Amendment citizens, are paramountly subject to all laws of the United States and, having no status as freeborn citizens, have no access at all to the unenumerated rights retained for the people by Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. That's because, in order to get any rights at all, they had to subject themselves to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, which left them no unenumerated rights. The only rights they had were those specifically written into the Constitution.
The sad tragedy of America today is that all U.S. citizens, regardless of race, are now 14th Amendment slaves due to contracts with the government of the United States through Social Security, birth certificates, driving licenses, citizenship statements, tax forms, and many other documents. The true paramount citizenship that all Americans deserve is that of their respective state, which is a sovereign citizenship. Such status would exempt them from federal and state income taxes, as well as property and inheritance taxes. This sovereign citizenship was the status held by our forefathers. Now, if you're still thinking that the U.S. government needs to have a central bank and collect income tax or it will collapse, think again. Over two-thirds of the federal government's income is derived from sources other than income tax. There is even evidence suggesting that none of your income tax is used by the government. Fees, excise taxes, tariffs, sales taxes, and other forms of income have easily supported the U.S. budget in the past and could easily support it now. We have done without a national bank for large stretches of our history, and the U.S. Treasury is perfectly capable of printing and managing a money supply. In fact, the only constitutionally sanctioned currency is backed by gold or other precious metals. This is a far more stable form of currency and is the type of money the Treasury was designed to handle. The government was doing so well collecting money under these original laws that it had amassed a huge surplus by the time this cartoon was penned a hundred years later in 1887, when there still was no income tax collected at all. Up to this point, we have shown you how the money interests have, one, established the Federal Reserve System, and two, exploited a second class of citizenship created by the 14th Amendment for other purposes. And we have mentioned a few names involved in the creation of the Fed. But there are other organizations working for our economic enslavement as well, along with other extremely rich and powerful international bankers. Those who support the Fed have created a global movement to centralize economic power in various puppet organizations that preach peace and stability through some variation of socialism, but act aggressively to draw nations into a web of foreign debt and servitude to their agenda. The United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, and the Council on Foreign Relations are all committed to an agenda of world domination through manipulation of economic power. The Council on Foreign Relations openly admits to being a private club, yet it is the primary recruiting post in both international banking and the federal government of the United States. Richard Nixon, Nelson Rockefeller, John Foster Dulles, Dean Rusk, Alger Hiss, Robert S. McNamara, and every president since FDR, with the exception of John Kennedy, have been members of this exclusive club where super financiers and your elected representatives can mix freely and plan the next step in the consolidation of power in a new world order. I let the garbage men handle the garbage. We're professional anglers, okay? We go after the big fish. Chasing them monkey-strong, crackhead motherfuckers anyway. You know they'd have killed you without yeah, hesitating. That's why they belong in prison. For what? 
They got beat down. They lost their rock. They lost their money. The message from Hillside probably going to smoke them. I mean, Jesus, what more you want? I want justice. Right? Is that I not mean, justice? That's street justice. What's wrong with street justice? Oh, I just let the animals wipe themselves out. God right? willing. Fuck them. Everybody who looks like them. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. The good guys, they die first, right? Those school kids and moms, family men, they don't want to catch the stray bullets in the noodle. To protect the sheep, you got to catch the wolf. And it takes a wolf to catch a wolf. You understand? What? I said you protect the sheep by killing you. the motherfucking wolves. No, you didn't hear me. You listening, but you didn't hear me. Yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Whatever the fuck ever. Up. I mean, it seems like you're pretty busy keeping people out. What the fuck you talking about? You know what you're talking about, bitty boot. Got nothing but shit between your ears. Shit, they build jails because of me. Judges have handed out over 15,000 man years of incarceration time based on my investigations, okay? My record speaks for itself. How many felons have you collared? Huh? Yeah, I rest my case. Oh, yeah. Look, man, I'm not smoking crack, all right? Yeah, I don't... Just put it in the glove box. Put the $60 in there, too. That'll come in handy later on. We'll use it like, like a credit card or something. Hey, no matter what I say, you did the right thing. Reminds me when I was out there chasing down bad guys, rocking their world. That was some pretty amazing shit you did back there, Oi. Thanks. Yeah, I noticed you applied that, uh, that chokehold, huh? <laughs> I thought that was a no-no procedure, boy. <laughs> I was getting my ass kicked. Yeah, and you did what you had to do, right? You did what you had to do. That's right. Oh! So the wolf does. You a wolf? Come on, wolf. Oh, come on, dog. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, I said a wolf, not a rooster. A wolf. Oh, 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 oh. That's a rooster. Give me a wolf. <laughs> Fuck this, man. Give me that beard. Ah, there you go. That's my nigga. Law. Put on the mind of God. Is what you have to do. What does that mean? Go get something. You already got it. El Fatah. Open. Is your work. The becoming. Is your work. Everything you need. You got it. If somebody says. Be ye perfect. You'd have to already be perfect. Because you can't put pieces together. To make perfect. Those apart. Perfect is one, undivided, unbroken, complete. Well, brother, let me tell you something. You already got it. You already are it. You just don't know it. And what I mean is this thing here does not know it is perfect. It keeps telling you you're making mistakes. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do that. You don't know how to do that. 
I'm poor. I ain't got. I don't know what. That ain't where the mind of Christ works. But that's what you want to quiet in your mind. And put, I can, I know how, I am. I so desire. For whatever it is you so desire, you decree it, declare it, and proclaim it. That's how you get it. Because that's how you got everything else you got. As to whether you did it consciously or subconsciously. It doesn't matter. You have three levels of mind. The super, the conscious, and the subconscious. And you think on all three of them. It's what you're thinking that makes the difference. If your subconscious keeps making you make mistakes, it's because you keep telling it to do so. And as long as you tell your mind it's broken, it's going to behave like a broken mind. It's going to keep you poor, hungry, and scared. That's imperfect. Turn that shit around. I am G-O-D right now. I am master, able, and noble right now. That's your prayer for transforming yourself to G-O-D. And don't accept anything less than that. Stop being a servant. Stop groveling in your prayers. Claim your divinity. Claim your godhood. Claim the knowledge of the universe. Claim your wealth. Noble Drew Ali told the Moors, each and every one of you is supposed to inherit a million dollars. And he said that in 1920-something. How many millionaires we got now? Hell, you can't... You, what do you mean, not many? We got... So many, we can't even count them, man. Where are you living at? I'm trying to tell you something. You have to get you past poverty with this. Quit thinking poor. Quit thinking I don't have it. I don't, I can't get it. Don't look up and see somebody else hit the numbers for $20 million and they tell yourself, I, I can't, I, I, I ain't. I. What the hell are you talking about? Why can't you turn around and tell yourself just the opposite? I didn't win 20 million. That's what the sister did when she opened up the Bible. And the Spirit told her to read those verses in that chapter. And then when she got ready to close the book, the Spirit told her, don't close that book. Write them numbers down. <laughs> and carried them to the window. Wait a minute. I'm talking about right here in New York. A black woman who used to scrub floors for a living. Six million dollars that weekend. She ain't scrubbing nobody's damn floors no more. You know what I'm saying? You know? Quit reaching for the bottom. And the money's on top. Real money. And, and don't ask God for some money. Because a penny is money. And he'll give you a penny if you ask for a penny. You know what I'm saying? Quit asking for cheap shit. <laughs> Damn supermarket full of steaks. You go in there and buy some damn beans and rice. What is you doing? You know what I'm saying? Get up here. Why is it you don't think you're supposed to live a wonderful, pleasant, prosperous life? Who 
Who told you you wasn't supposed to do that? Nobody but you. Well, quit doing that. Yeah, quit going for the okey-doke. It's okey-doke. I'm poor. It's okey-doke. I ain't got shit. It's okey-doke. You know, I'm sick. It's okey-doke. I don't know shit. It's okey-doke. <laughs> quit going for okey-doke. You hear me? Now, I'm talking to your spirit. Because that's what's going to get you out of poverty. And that's what's going to get you out of hell. Is the God within yourself. That's the one you're looking for. That's your best friend. And that's the only one who will be with you forever. When Jesus goes somewhere else, that God will still be there. You sure enough want to make him and her your best friend. A God that will always tell you the truth. Only if you will always Listen. When you stop listening, everybody starts telling you a lie. Because that's what you're looking for. When you stop listening to your own truth, take the responsibility of being God. How do you get there? One way, and one way only. By desire. You have to want to be God. You can't get there no other way. Psychological assumption automatically provides the means to fulfill the dream desire is the law of mind in action. The psychological assumption automatically Provides the means to fulfill the dream desire. If you do not have the desire to become God, you are not going to become God. Certainly not by accident. That's a car running over you. Not God. You have to have it in here. If you want to be a servant, that's already in there. That's easy. <laughs> Upgrade. You heard the statement, all grow up. Well, yeah, grow up. <laughs> and find out you might be 25 feet tall. <laughs> That's a Reverend Biscuit in me coming out there. You're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L., where remedy meets preparation.
the New Evolution Radio Network, where the evolution is the revolution. Well, I think not many people know that treaties were signed. (laughs) That might be it. (laughs) A treaty is fundamentally an agreement between two nations. Treaties are only made between sovereign governments. In fact, the U.S. has made more than 300 treaties with American Indian nations. The United States' existence when it first won the war against Great Britain was very precarious, and many countries around the world did not recognize the United States' sovereignty. So the U.S., as a way to assert that it was a sovereign, it made agreements with Native nations to sort of say to Europe, to Britain, hey, we're sovereign too, we can make these agreements. The idea that treaties somehow gave status or standing or land uh, to indigenous nations is probably the main fallacy that exists. I think that um, many people view uh, treaties as special rights for Indians. They're not rights given to Native nations. They're Native nations, by and large, giving rights to the United States. I think a lot of people lack an understanding that that wherever they live, there's probably a treaty that gives them the right to live there, granted to them by Native nations. A nation uh, relinquished its, uh, um, the majority of its land rights, uh, its, its land holdings, its resource holdings, for the right to preserve its way of life. The rights that are reserved are more easily defined by the U.S. courts as property rights, but better defined by our our traditional and cultural understandings as being relationship rights to the land, the water, and all of the beings that that we hunt and fish and share, share that world with. It's through treaties that I think we've been able to hold off a lot of forces that would like to see us erased from the continent. I'm trying to think of one treaty that from the perspective of the indigenous nation has been fully upheld and implemented. A lot of people disregard our treaties and say they're a thing of the past, they've been broken, let's forget about them. They would like to wipe away the treaty history of the United States, but uh, that's simply not how it works. Our United States Constitution recognizes that once a treaty is signed and ratified by the Senate, it becomes the quote, supreme law of the land. What that means is, is that a treaty, it's as much alive as the U.S. Constitution is. Are they living documents? Do they exist and they, do they transcend generations? The answer is absolutely yes. When people question the relevance of treaties and say, I don't think treaties are relevant, I, my response is, then just give us the land back. We're not talking about past history. We're talking about today. The best example of, of that is the Dakota Access Pipeline. I think we saw before the world community the violation of the 1868 and 1851 treaties uh, of the United States with uh, the Lakota Nation um, in Standing Rock. It brought the violation of treaty rights to today. Even though tribes have been experiencing those violations time after time after time, Treaties go both ways. This was a two-way street that it was a shared shared history. It's about mutual respect. Non-native 
peoples um, are treaty partners, the descendants of the treaty signers, you could say, on the, on the United States side. I think that the way that we bring everybody into the conversation is we have curriculum that accurately reflects the reality of what an Indian treaty is. That's something we do for the United States Constitution and three branches of government. Why don't we have a tribal component to that education? The ancestors who negotiated the treaties, they were doing their best to protect us, to protect our culture and protect our way of life. And to me that's a responsibility and a, a way I should, in which I should live my life every day to remember, to honor those ancestors that fought so I could be here today. Treaties are living documents because tribes continue to breathe life into them. We continue to speak their terms. We continue to remember the promises. Trust these niggas, they be switching sides. Trapping in the band up with your bitches side. Money new, hundreds blue. I just spent a dime. Me and you are not the same. We on a different time. Me and you are not the same. We on a different time. Me and you are not the same. We on a different time. Try and lie me when you find me. Better grip your knife. Put that for Lee Fabiani. We on a different time. Had to hustle and rob. They ain't leave me a choice. This can't be life. Jay Z and Beans voice. Never had a nine to five. I ain't believing that. So the block is where I decided I'm eating that. The staircase is where the fiends used to meet me at. Police searching me, looking for work, but I was cheeking that. Was on that block every night, getting to that bag. Wanted that Kooji and Versace shit Biggie had. Cooking that cocaine till it turned hard. I'm living in hell, still believing in God. I got faith like I'm Frank White. Fiends don't want that work if it ain't right. Niggas don't want you coming up if they ain't eating. The block jumping, I'm out here. I ain't leaving. I'm popping. I ain't one of these lame niggas. Me and Carmelo Anthony fucking the same stripper. Going hand in hand is what made me a boss. I know how to bounce back after taking the loss. See tough guys turning the bitches in court. Just made them realize they ain't as tough as they thought. Bodies done dropped for this money I got. I earned these diamonds that I got in my watch. I earned these diamonds that I got in my chain. I treated myself for putting in all of that pain. I can't trust these niggas, they be switching sides. Trapping in the band up with your bitches side. Money new, hundreds blue, I just spent a dime. Me and you are not the same, we on a different time. Me and you are not the same, we on a different time. Me and you are not the same, we on a different time. Try and lie me when you find me, better grip your knife. But definitely Fabiani, we on a different time. I just wanna open this up, telling y'all I'm opening up. I wanna be able to smell it before I open it up. That shit ain't potent enough, I be plotting low in the cut. Looking at the TV like that's supposed to be us But who am I to blame? I'm still a student of the game I maneuver without the rain But my shooters when I aim Yeah, I need a bitch that's a down one When them pounds come Make this 
out of town run, don't leave till your round's done Time to time I still chop it up with the old heads They told me how most niggas snitch when you go fast Told me to switch the hustle to flow dead My brother Pop died and flow dead You ain't quote dead Sometimes I still wish I had a brick for the coke heads Pull up with a mountain in the snow and tell them go sled Remember Halloween's back when we used to throw eggs Stealing mopeds, gave a fuck what the Pope said Nigga, which one you happen to pick? Judged by 12 or carried by 6 Granddad said be careful with the drugs Don't let them defeat you I said I don't do the drugs I just tell them the people He told me it's cold love when you going up Couple niggas come through and see how you holding up Pictures on your cell wall that you was holding up Give it some time, them packages and them bitches start flowing up I can't trust these niggas, they be switching sides Trapping in the band up with your bitches side Money new, hundreds blue, I just spent the dime Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Me and you are not the same, we on a different time Try and me when you find me, better grip your knife But definitely Fabiani, we on a different time I'm Brett Willoughby. I'm a CPA and we do tax returns for overseas Americans. Today we're going to look at the U.S.-Morocco tax treaty as it applies to Americans who are getting paid by American entities but living in Morocco long term. <clears throat> Recently, Morocco has stepped up enforcement activities primarily geared at Europeans. A lot of European countries have a 183-day rule, just like Morocco has a 183-day rule, that if you're in a country for more than 183 days, you are taxed in that country. So what people are doing is French nationals or others are spending 170 days in France, 170 days in Morocco, and 25 days in Switzerland. And saying, oh, we're not taxed anywhere. And the two countries are rightfully cracking down on that. But as part of that, Americans are questioning what, what their status is with in the Moroccan taxing system. So we're going to look at the U.S.-Morocco tax treaty. In the U.S., U.S. Uh, taxation is based upon citizenship. We really don't look at residency like most countries do. Morocco looks at residency, and their rules for residency are, where is your center of economic activity? Who is paying you? Are you in the country for 183 days? And lastly, are you a habitual resident? Just kind of give you a sense of perspective. This was presented by the Moroccan Department of Treasury at the UN. It talks about where is Moroccan income source. In order for Moroccan income to be sourced in Morocco, the services must be physically performed in Morocco. The activities are carried out through a permanent establishment situated in Morocco. And this is where most Americans who are, have U.S. employers do not fall into the Moroccan resident rules. So the way tax treaties work is they say, where are you a resident? If you're a resident there, we get to tax you. You're not resident in the U.S. because you're not physically in the U.S. a lot. You're not resident in Morocco because you don't have a center of economic interest in Morocco. So neither one of these is true. Then you go to the tiebreaker rules under Article 3 of the treaty, and then you look at permanent home. And if both or neither of that is true, then you go to the next country. So uh, depending on where you fall, 
that's where you're going to get taxed. So most Americans would prefer to be taxed in the U.S. So not resident in the U.S., not resident in Morocco, go to permanent home. My view is that if you have a visa that prevents you from establishing a permanent home in Morocco, you don't have a permanent home in Morocco. You can always come home to America. One of the things you want to look at is to make sure that you have a case already made up in case you're audited by a Moroccan and say, yes, I have a permanent home. That would be things like you can get a certificate of residency from the U.S. Uh, uh, Internal Revenue Service. You can have a long-term lease in the U.S. You could buy a home in the U.S. All these things would increase the likelihood that you have a permanent home. If you have a permanent home neither in um, the U.S. or Morocco, you go to your center of economic vital interest. If your uh, paycheck and all your economic activity is from the U.S., then that's probably your, your residency. If, if it's Thai or neither, then you go to habitual abode or citizenship. This is a quick overview of the U.S.-Morocco tax treaty. If you would like to know how it applies to you and how you, you can prepare for a potential audit, please go to our website, tax911.com, and book an appointment. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Hello, everyone. Keith here, back on the video. Um, today for you guys, I'm going to be reading the Morocco Treaty in Peace and Friendship. It was signed and sealed by the Emperor of Morocco in, in June 23, 1786, and delivered to the American agent at Morocco, June 28, 1786. I'll leave a link to this down the description below. It's a very important document. I, I, I want you guys to read it. It's very important for the stuff that we do. Um, you can also email us at themoneygmail.com for a private consultation. And yeah, for all the doing, you go right into it. Treaty translation to all persons to whom these presents shall come or be made known, whereas the United States of America, in Congress assembled by their commission, bearing date the twelfth day of May, one thousand seven hundred and eighty-four, thought proper to constitute John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson, their ministers, plenipotentiary, giving to them or a majority of them, full powers to confer, treat, and negotiate with the ambassador, minister, or commissioner of his majesty, the emperor of Morocco, concerning a treaty of amity, amity and commerce, to make and receive propositions for such treaty, and to conclude and sign the same, transmitting it to the United States in Congress assembled, for their final ratification, and by one other commission bearing date, the 11th day of March 1, 1785 did further in power the said minister ministers plenipotentiary or majority of them by writing under their hands and seals to appoint such agent in the said businesses as they might think proper with authority under the directions and instructions of the said ministers to commerce and prosecute the said negations and conferences for the said treaty provided that the said treaties should be signed by the said ministers, and whereas we, the said John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, two of the said ministers, plenipotentiary, the said Benjamin Franklin being absent by writing under the hand and seal of the said John Adams at London, October the 5th, 1785, and one of the said Thomas Jefferson at Paris, October the 11th of the same year did not appoint Thomas Barclay, agent in the business for said, 
giving him the powers were, were therein, which by the said second commission we were authorized to give, and the said Thomas Barclay in pursuance thereof. He arranged articles for a treaty of amity and commerce between the United States of America and His Majesty the Emperor of Morocco, with which articles written in the Arabic language confirmed by His Majesty the Emperor of Morocco and sealed with his royal seal, being translated into the, the language of the, of the said United States of America, together with the additions there are annexed arc with the following words to wit. In the name of Almighty God, this is a treaty of peace and friendship established between us and the United States of America, which is confirmed, and which we have ordered to be written in this book and sealed for our royal seal at our court of Morocco on the 25th day of the blessed month of Shaban, in the year 1200, trusting in God, it will remain permanent. We declare that both parties have agreed that this treaty consisting of 25 articles shall be inserted in this book and delivered to the Honorable Thomas Barclay, the agent of the United States, now at our court, which rose up approbation it has made and to who is duly authorized on their part to treat with us concerning all the matters contained therein. If, if either of the parties shall be at war with any nation, however, the other party shall not take commission from the anemone, nor fight under their fair colors. If either party shall be at war with any nation, whatever, whatever and take a prize belonging to that nation, and there shall be found on board subjects or effects belonging to either of the parties. The subjects shall be set at liberty and the effects returned to the owners. And if any goods belonging to any nation with whom either of the parties shall be at war shall be loaded on vessels belonging to the other party, they shall pass free unmolested without any attempt being, attempt being made to take or detain them. I forgot to number these off. Um, four. We're at four now. A signal or pass shall be given to all vessels belonging to both parties, by which they are to be known when they are, when they meet at sea. And if the commander of a ship of war, of war or either party shall have other ships under his convoy, the declaration of the commander shall alone be sufficient to exempt of any of that exempt to exempt any of them from examination. 5. If either party shall be at war and shall meet a vessel at sea belonging to the other, it is agreed that if an examination is to be made, it shall be done by sending a boat with two or three men only, and if any gun shall be fired and injury done without reason, the offending party shall make good all damages. 6. If any more shall bring citizens of the United States or their effects to His Majesty, the citizens shall immediately be set at liberty and the effects restored. And in any manner, if any more not a subject to these dominions shall make prize of any of the citizens of America or their effects and, being, and bring them into any of the ports of His Majesty, they shall be immediately released as they will then be considered under His Majesty's protection. 7. If any vessel of either party shall be put onto a port of the other and have occasion for provisions and other supplies, 
They shall be furnished without any interruption or, molest or molestation. 8. If any vessel of the United States shall meet with a disaster at sea and put, put unto one of our ports to repair, she shall be at liberty to, to land and reload her cargo without paying any duty whatsoever. 9. If any vessel of the United States shall be cast on shore on any part of our coast, she shall remain at the disposition of the owners, and no one shall attempt going near her without their approbation, as she is then considered particularly under our protection. And if any vessel of the United States shall be forced to put onto our ports by stress of weather or, or otherwise, she, she shall not be compelled to land her cargo. But, sh but shall remain in tranquility until the commander shall think proper to proceed on its voyage. If any ten, this is number ten. If any vessel of either of the parties shall have an engagement with a vessel belonging to any of the Christian powers within gunshot of the forts of the, of the other, the vessel is the vessel so engaged shall be defended. I protect it as much as possible until she is in safety. And if any American vessel shall be cast on shore on the coast of Wadoon or any coast thereabout, the people belonging to her shall be protected and assisted on up until the help until by the help of God they shall be sent to the country. eleven. If we shall be at war with any Christian power and any of our vessels sail from the ports of the United States, no vessel belonging to the enemy shall follow until 24 hours of the departure of our vessels, and the same regulation shall be observed towards the American vessels sailing from our ports, be their enemies Moors or Christians. Number 12. If any ship of war belonging to the United States shall put onto any of our ports, she shall not be examined or on any pre pretense whatsoever even though she she should have fugitive slaves on board, nor shall the governor or commander of the place compel them to be brought on shore by on any pretext, nor require any payment from them. Number thirteen. If a ship of war of either party shall put unto a port of other of the other and salute, it is it shall be returned from the fort, with an equal number of guns, not with more or less. 14. The commerce of the United States, commerce with the United States, shall be on the same footing as the commerce with Spain, or as that with the most favored nation for the time being. And the citizens shall be respected and esteemed, and have full liberty to pass and repass our country and seaports wherever they please, without interruption. Number 15. Merchants of both countries shall employ only such interpreters and such other persons to assist them in their businesses, as they shall think proper. No commander of a vessel shall transport his cargo on board another vessel. He shall not be detained in port longer than he may think proper. And all persons employed in loading or unloading goods, or in any other labor whatsoever, shall be paid at the customary rates, not more and not less. Number 16. In case of a war between the parties, the prisoners are not to be made slaves, but to be exchanged for one another, captain for captain, officer for officer, 
and one private man for another. And if there shall prove a deficiency on either side, it shall be made up by the payment of one hundred Mexican dollars for each person wanting. And it is agreed that all prisoners shall be exchanged in twelve months from the time of their being taken. And that this exchange may be effected by a merchant or any other person authorized by either of the parties. Number 17. Merchants shall not be compelled to buy or sell any kind of goods but such as they shall think proper, and may, buy, and may buy and sell all sorts of merchandise, but such are prohibited to the other Christian nations. Number 18. All goods shall be weighed and examined before they are sent on board, and to avoid all detention of vessels. No examination shall afterwards be made unless it, unless it shall first be proved that contraband goods have been sent on board, in which case the persons who took the contraband goods on board shall be punished according to the usage and custom of the country, and no other person wherever shall be injured, nor shall the ship or cargo incur in any penalty or damage whatsoever. Number 19. No vessel shall be detained in port on, on any pretense whatsoever, nor be obliged to take on take on board any article without the consent of the commander, who shall be at full liberty to agree for the fright of any goods he takes on board. Number 20. If any of the citizens of the United States, or any person under their protection, shall have any disputes with each other, the consul shall decide between the parties, and whoever the consul shall require any aid or assistance from our government to enforce his decisions. It shall be immediately granted to him. Number 21. If a citizen of the United States should kill or wound a Moor, or on the contrary, if a Moor shall kill or wound a citizen of the United States, the law of the country shall take place, and equal justice shall be rendered, the consul assisting the trial. And if any delinquent shall make his escape, the consul shall not be answerable for him in any manner whatsoever. Number 22. If an American citizen shall die in our country, and no will shall appear, the consul shall take possession of his effects, and if there shall be no consul, the effects shall be dis dis the, the effects shall be deposited in the hands of some person worthy of trust, until the party shall appear who has a right to demand them. But if the heir to the person deceased be present, the property shall be delivered to him without interruption. And if a will shall appear, the property shall descend agreeable to that will, and soon the consul shall declare the validity thereof. Number 23. The consuls of the United States of America shall reside in any seaport of our dominions, that they shall think proper, and they shall be respected and enjoy all the privileges of which the consuls of any other nation enjoy. And if any citizen of the United States shall contract any debts or, or encouragements, the consul shall not be in any manner accountable for them, unless he shall give a promise in writing for the payment or fulfilling thereof, without which, which promise in writing no application for him for any redress shall be made. Number 24, and the last one I'm do for, for, this, for this part. If any differences shall arise by either party infringing on any of the articles of this treaty, peace and harmony shall remain notwithstanding in the fullest force 
until a friendly application shall be made for an arrangement. And until that application shall be rejected, no appeal shall be made to arms. And if a war shall break out between the parties, nine months shall be granted to all the subjects of both parties to dispose of their effects and retire with their property. And it is further declared that whatever indulgences in trade or otherwise shall be granted to any of the Christian powers, the citizens of the United States shall be equally entitled to them. Alright guys, I'm ended off here. I'll make a part two of this because this is almost finished. Um, leave a like down below if you enjoyed, subscribe, and I'll, I'll leave a link down to, to this down in the description below along for email. You can pay for PayPal. Also, you can email us for private consultation at themongs.gmo.com. And yeah, I see you guys in the next video. Have a nice day. You're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit makemorecommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. The Treaty of Tripoli, Treaty of Peace and Friendship between the United States of America and the Bay and Subjects of Tripoli of Barbary, was the first treaty concluded between the United States and Tripolitania, signed at Tripoli on November 4, 1796, and at Algiers, for a third-party witness, on January 3, 1797. It was submitted to the Senate by President John Adams, receiving ratification unanimously from the U.S. Senate on June 7, 1797, and signed by Adams, taking effect as the law of the land on June 10, 1797. The treaty was a routine diplomatic agreement and was later replaced. It has attracted attention in recent decades only because of a clause stating that the government of the United States of America is not, in any sense, founded on the Christian religion. For three centuries up to the time of the treaty, the Mediterranean sea lanes had been preyed on by the North African Muslim states of the Barbary Coast, Tripoli, Algiers, Morocco, and Tunis, through privateering, government-sanctioned piracy. Hostages captured by the Barbary pirates were either ransomed or forced into slavery, contributing to the greater Ottoman slave trade, of which the Barbary states were a segment. Life for the captives often was harsh, especially for Christian captives, and many died from their treatment. Some captives went Turk, that is, converted to Islam, a choice that made life in captivity easier for them. Before the American Revolution, the British colonies in North America were protected from the Barbary pirates by British warships and treaties. During the Revolution, the Kingdom of France formed an alliance with the colonies and assumed the responsibility of providing protection of U.S. ships against the Barbary pirates. After the U.S. won its independence with the signing of the Treaty of Paris, 1783, it had to face the threat of the Barbary pirates on its own. Two American ships were captured by Algerian pirates in July 1785 and the survivors forced into slavery, their ransom set at $60,000. A rumor that Benjamin Franklin, who was en route from France to Philadelphia about that time, had been captured by Barbary pirates, caused considerable upset in the U.S. Without a standing navy, much less a navy capable of projecting force across an ocean, the U.S. was forced to pay tribute monies and goods to the Barbary nations for the security of its ships and the freedom of its captured citizens. As General William Eaton informed newly appointed Secretary of State John Marshall in 1800, it is a maxim of the Barbary states, 
that the Christians who would be on good terms with them must fight well or pay well. Soon after the formation of the United States, privateering in the Mediterranean Sea and Atlantic Ocean from the nations of the Barbary Coast prompted the U.S. to initiate a series of so-called peace treaties, collectively known as the Barbary Treaties. Individual treaties were negotiated with Morocco, 1786, Algiers, 1795, Tripoli, 1797, and Tunis, 1797, all of them more than once. The United States Consul General to the Barbary States of Algiers, Tripoli, and Tunis was Joel Barlow, who dealt with the text of various treaties, including the Treaty of Tripoli, and supported U.S. diplomatic efforts in the Barbary Coast. Commissioner Plenipotentiary of the United States, David Humphreys, was given the right to establish a treaty with Tripoli and assigned Joel Barlow and Joseph Donaldson to broker it. It was Joel Barlow who certified the signatures on the Arabic original and the English copy provided to him. Later, Captain Richard O'Brien established the original transport of the negotiated goods along with the treaty, but it was the American consul James Leander Cathcart who delivered the final requirements of payment for the treaty. President George Washington appointed his old colleague David Humphreys as Commissioner Plenipotentiary on March 30, 1795, in order to negotiate a treaty with the Barbary powers. On February 10, 1796, Humphreys appointed Joel Barlow and Joseph Donaldson as junior agents to forge a treaty of peace and friendship. Under Humphreys' authority, the treaty was signed at Tripoli on November 4, 1796, and certified at Algiers on January 3, 1797. Humphreys reviewed the treaty and approved it in Lisbon on February 10, 1797. The official treaty was in Arabic text, and a translated version by Consul General Barlow was ratified by the United States on June 10, 1797. Article 11 of the treaty was said to have not been part of the original Arabic version of the treaty, in its place is a letter from the day of Algiers to the Pasha of Tripoli. However, it is the English text which was ratified by Congress. Miller says, the Barlow translation is that which was submitted to the Senate, American State Papers, Foreign Relations, 2, 18-19, and which is printed in the statutes at large and in treaty collections generally, it is that English text which in the United States has always been deemed the text of the treaty. The treaty had spent seven months traveling from Tripoli to Algiers to Portugal and, finally, to the United States, and had been signed by officials at each stop along the way. There is no record of discussion or debate of the Treaty of Tripoli at the time that it was ratified. However, there is a statement made by President Adams on the document that reads, President Adams Signing Statement Now be it known, that I John Adams, President of the United States of America, having seen and considered the said treaty do, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, accept, ratify, and confirm the same, and every clause and article thereof. And to the end that the said treaty may be observed, and performed with good faith on the part of the United States, I have ordered the premises to be made public, and I do hereby enjoin and require all persons bearing office civil or military within the United States, and all other citizens or inhabitants thereof, faithfully to observe and fulfill the said treaty and every clause and article thereof. 
Official records show that after President John Adams sent the treaty to the Senate for ratification in May 1797, the entire treaty was read aloud on the Senate floor, and copies were printed for every senator. A committee considered the treaty and recommended ratification. 23 of the 32 sitting senators were present for the June 7th vote which unanimously approved the ratification recommendation. However, before anyone in the United States saw the treaty, its required payments, in the form of goods and money, had been made in part. As Barlow declared, the present writing done by our hand and delivered to the American Captain O'Brien makes known that he has delivered to us 40,000 Spanish dollars 13 watches of gold, silver and pinsbach 5 rings, of which 3 of diamonds, 1 of sapphire and 1 with a watch in it, 140 peaks of cloth, and four captains of brocade and these on account of the peace concluded with the Americans. However, this was an incomplete amount of goods stipulated under the treaty, according to the Pasha of Tripoli, and an additional $18,000 had to be paid by the American consul James Leander Cathcart at his arrival on April 10, 1799. It was not until these final goods were delivered that the Pasha of Tripoli recognized the treaty as official. In treaties and other international acts of the United States of America by David Hunter Miller, which is regarded as an authoritative collection of international agreements of the United States between 1776 and 1937, Hunter Miller describes, while the original ratification remained in the hands of Cathcart, it is possible that a copy thereof was delivered upon the settlement of April 10, 1799, and further possible that there was something almost in the nature of an exchange of ratifications of the treaty on or about April 10, 1799, the day of the agreed settlement. It is then that the Pasha declares in a letter to John Adams on April 15, 1799, whereby we have consummated the peace which shall, on our side, be inviolate, provided you are willing to treat us as you do other regencies, without any difference being made between us which is the whole of what we have, at present, to say to you, wishing you at the same time the most unlimited prosperity. Article 11 has been a point of contention in popular culture disputes on the doctrine of separation of church and state as it applies to the founding principles of the United States. Some religious spokesmen claim that despite unanimous ratification by the U.S., Senate in English The text which appears as Article 11 in the English translation does not appear in the Arabic text of the treaty. Some historians, secular and religious, have argued that the phrase specifically refers to the government and not the culture, that it only speaks of the founding and not what America became or might become, and that many founding fathers and newspapers described America as a Christian nation during the early republic. Article 11 reads. Art. 11. As the government of the United States of America is not, in any sense, founded on the Christian religion, as it has in itself no character of enmity against the laws, religion, or tranquility, of Musulman Muslims, and as the said states never entered into any war or act of hostility against any Mahometan Muslim nation, it is declared by the parties that no pretext arising from religious opinions shall ever produce an interruption of the harmony existing between the two countries. According to Frank Lambert, professor of history at Purdue University, the assurances in Article 11 were intended to allay the fears of the Muslim state by insisting that religion would not govern how the treaty was interpreted and enforced.
John Adams and the Senate made clear that the pact was between two sovereign states, not between two religious powers. Lambert writes, By their actions, the Founding Fathers made clear that their primary concern was religious freedom, not the advancement of a state religion. Individuals, not the government, would define religious faith and practice in the United States. Thus the Founders ensured that in no official sense would America be a Christian republic. Ten years after the Constitutional Convention ended its work, the country assured the world that the United States was a secular state, and that its negotiations would adhere to the rule of law, not the dictates of the Christian faith. The assurances were contained in the Treaty of Tripoli of 1797 and were intended to allay the fears of the Muslim state by insisting that religion would not govern how the treaty was interpreted and enforced. John Adams and the Senate made clear that the pact was between two sovereign states, not between two religious powers. The treaty was printed in the Philadelphia Gazette and two New York papers, with only scant public dissent, most notably from William Cobbett. Later dissent. A prominent member of Adams' cabinet, Secretary of War James McHenry, protested the language of Article 11, before its ratification. He wrote to Secretary of the Treasury Oliver Wolcott, Jr., September 26, 1800, the Senate, my good friend, and I said so at the time, ought never to have ratified the treaty alluded to, with the declaration that the government of the United States, is not, in any sense, founded on the Christian religion. What else is it founded on? This act always appeared to me like trampling upon the cross. I do not recollect that Barlow was even reprimanded for this outrage upon the government and religion. A second treaty, the Treaty of Peace and Amity signed on July 4, 1805, superseded the 1796 treaty. The 1805 treaty did not contain the phrase not, in any sense, founded on the Christian religion. Translation and Article 11 The translation of the Treaty of Tripoli by Barlow has been questioned, and it has been disputed whether Article 11 in the English version of the treaty ratified by the U.S. Senate corresponds to anything of the same purport in the Arabic version. In 1931 Hunter Miller completed a commission by the United States government to analyze United States treaties and to explain how they function and what they mean to the United States legal position in relationship with the rest of the world. According to Hunter Miller's notes, the Barlow translation is at best a poor attempt at a paraphrase or summary of the sense of the Arabic and Article 11, does not exist at all. After comparing the United States version by Barlow with the Arabic and the Italian version, Miller continues by claiming that the Arabic text which is between articles 10 and 12 is in form a letter, crude and flamboyant and withal quite unimportant, from the day of Algiers to the Pasha of Tripoli. How that script came to be written and to be regarded, as in the Barlow translation, as Article 11 of the treaty as they're written, is a mystery and seemingly must remain so. Nothing in the diplomatic correspondence of the time throws any light whatever on the point. From this, Miller concludes, a further and perhaps equal mystery is the fact that since 1797 the Barlow translation has been trustfully and universally accepted as the just equivalent of the Arabic, yet evidence of the erroneous character of the Barlow translation has been in the archives of the Department of State since perhaps 1800 or thereabouts.
It is important to note, though, that as Miller said, it is to be remembered that the Barlow translation is that which was submitted to the Senate, American State Papers, Foreign Relations, 2, 18-19, and which is printed in the statutes at large and in treaty collections generally, it is that English text which in the United States has always been deemed the text of the treaty. However the Arabic and English texts differ, the Barlow translation, Article 11 included, was the text presented by the President and ratified unanimously in 1797 by the U.S. Senate following strict constitutional procedures. Barbary Wars The treaty was broken in 1801 by the Pasha of Tripoli over President Thomas Jefferson's refusal to submit to the Pasha's demands for increased payments. Through subsequent battles, Tripoli eventually agreed to terms of peace with the United States. Tobias Lear negotiated a second treaty of peace and amity with the Pasha Yusuf on June 4, 1805. To the dismay of many Americans, the new settlement included a ransom of $60,000 paid for the release of prisoners from the USS Philadelphia and several U.S. merchant ships. By 1807, Algiers had gone back to taking U.S. ships and seamen hostage. Distracted by the preludes to the War of 1812, the United States was unable to respond to the provocations until 1815, with the Second Barbary War, thereby concluding the encompassing the First Barbary War and the Second Barbary War, 1800-1815. You know, back then Muslims were often called uh, Mohammedans. And Thomas Jefferson explained that the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom, he wrote, was designed to protect all faiths. And I'm quoting Thomas Jefferson now, the Jew and the Gentile, the Christian and the Mohammedan. <laughs> Jefferson and John Adams had their own copies of the Koran. Benjamin Franklin wrote that even if the Mufti of Constantinople were to send a missionary to preach to us, he would find a pulpit at his service. So, so this is not a new thing. Generations of Muslim Americans President Obama's highly anticipated speech in Cairo. It has been billed as an attempt to reach out to the Muslim world. We want to go live to Cairo now and CBS News Chief White House Correspondent Chip Reed. Chip, good morning. Well, good morning, Harry. The President says he has one fundamental purpose in giving this speech here in Cairo, to seek a new beginning between the United States and Muslims around the world. So long as our relationship is defined by our differences, we will empower those who sow hatred rather than peace, those who promote conflict rather than the cooperation that can help all of our people achieve justice and prosperity. And this cycle of suspicion and discord must end. To open a door of understanding, of the president invoked his own connections to Islam. I'm a Christian, 
But my father came from a Kenyan family that includes generations of Muslims. As a boy, I spent several years in Indonesia and heard the call of the Azan at the break of dawn and at the fall of dusk. He said it's time for critics of the Muslim world to shed their misperceptions. Islamic culture has given us majestic arches and soaring spires, timeless poetry and cherished music, elegant calligraphy, and places of peaceful comp contemplation. And throughout history, Islam has demonstrated through words and deeds the possibilities of religious tolerance and racial equality. But he also said Muslims must end their negative stereotypes of America. Just as Muslims do not fit a crude stereotype, America is not the crude stereotype of a self-interested empire. The United States has been one of the greatest sources of progress that the world has ever known. The president went through what he called some blunt truth-telling uh, on about seven different issues, urging the Muslim world to do more on everything from democracy to women's rights to Middle East peace. Harry? Chip Reed in Cairo this morning. Thank you. Do. 
there goes nothing. Pull up on the block in the drop top chicken box. Mr. KFC, BBS is in the watch. Living fast where it's all about that money bag. Never front you, take it there, it ain't no coming back. Top down right here is where she wanna be. As my goals unfold right in front of me. Every time we fuck our soul, take a hold of me. Addicted like Boogie, that pussy be controlling me. That thing keep calling. Fuck maintain, boy, I gotta keep falling. Pink bottles keep coming. James Bond, Coop, Pop Clutch 100. Bad cop routine? Not exactly. Ah. Ah. Never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. He can't feel the neck. See? You wanted me. Here I am. I wanted to see what you'd do. And you didn't disappoint. You let five people die. Then, you let Dent take your place. Even to a guy like me, that's cold. Where's Dent? Those mob fools want you gone so they can get back to the way things were. But I know the truth. There's no going back. You've changed things. Forever. And why do you want to kill me? Kill you? What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. No. No, you. You complete 
Me. You're garbage. You kills for money. Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. See, their morals, their code. It's a bad joke. I'm dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. All these rules, and you think they'll save you? Who's in control? I have one rule. Oh, then that's the rule you'll have to break to know the truth. Which is? The only sensible way to live in this world is without rules. And tonight you're gonna break your one rule. I'm considering it. No, there's only minutes left, so you're gonna have to play my little game if you want to save one of them. Yeah. You know, for a while there. I thought you really were a dent. The way you threw yourself after her. <laughs> Look at you go! Does Harvey know about you and his little bunny? Where are they? Killing is making a choice. Where are they? Choose between one life or the other. Your friend, the district attorney. Or he's rushing right to be. <laughs> you have nothing. Nothing to threaten me with. Nothing to do with all of your strength. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you where they are. Both of them. And that's the point. You'll have to choose. He's at 252nd Street. And she's uh, on Avenue X. That's just a look. Yeah. Yeah. What up, what up, what up, what up? Peace to the gods. It's going down. Right here on the bottom line. Right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. I'm your host, Joey Balance L. Bay. Um, call the number 347-989-0194. You want to get in and holler at me. Um, I would say that we're late, but we're right on time. Because um, we're going to drop this information tonight. Tonight is part two of our treaty series. And um, hopefully y'all got a lot out of the, the last week's treaty series. Uh, the shows are now available on podcasts. So if you would like to uh, go back and listen to the shows, make sure that you download podcast application and search for us on the New Evolution Radio Network and you'll be able to find us in the podcast that way, okay? Um, so, peace to the gods, welcome to the show. We're here tonight. Um, if you have not had the opportunity yet, go register for the upcoming webinar, Trust Webinar Part 4. We're going to go over bonding, we're going to go over insurance, we're going to go over some estate planning. All right, it's going to be jam-packed. We're going to go over a lot of stuff. Um, so make sure that y'all sign up, makemorecommerce.com. Uh, I left the link open one more day for pre-registration. 
Uh, the link will, uh, will change tomorrow. The price will go up fifty dollars uh, for the seats, um, and we will be selling copies afterwards. All right. So, peace to the gods. Welcome to the show. Let's get it popping. Right tonight, we're talking about trees, um, and you know, there's a lot of information that we need to go over. Right, and you know, the last show we went through a lot of stuff. And somebody asked a question in the chat. It says, well, what does any of this have to do with Moors? How can we use any of this information? Well, if you are a real Moor, then the only law, really, that you should be under, aside from your own law, right, which is in harmony with all laws, or Allah, or Allah, right, uh, would be the treaties. So... Uh, the treaty clause, right, is part of is part of Article Two, Section Two, Clause Two, of your United States Constitution, and it says that the empowers the President of the United States to propose and chiefly negotiate agreements between the United States and other countries. Okay, now your United States or the United States has made treaties. Uh, since they've been around. The first treaty that they made was the Treaty of Peace and Friendship. You got the Treaty of Tripoli. Right, you got all these treaties, and then they made all these treaties with these Native Americans over a period of time. Okay, So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to continue to dive into what the treaties are. Okay, And we're looking at, you know, not per se a, a treaty in terms of, um, you know, the specifics of one treaty, but we're going to look at the specifics of what the treaties are and how they come about. Okay. All right. So let's just jump right in, right? Now, a treaty, and, and you know, just to give you a, a, a preface here, right, because, you know, we, we talked about this last week, and a treaty is a contract, right? It's a, it's a loosely termed word, right? And anytime there's a treaty that comes about, Normally, it's because there was either a dispute, something happened. It needed to be there needed to be some type of formal binding agreement, right? That brought two bodies together, two political entities together in international law, two sovereign states. Okay, so the treaty clause, which is under Article Two, Section Two, Clause Two. Of the Constitution says that your treaties are your supreme laws of the land. That the body of law which governs U.S. foreign policy recognizes three mechanisms by which the United States enters into binding international obligations. Okay, so the term treaty is used in a more restricted legal sense than in international law. Okay, now in United States law, it distinguishes what is called treaties from congressional executive agreements. Now, um, an executive agreement, okay, is where the head of one government and the head of another government, right, two or more nations, okay, come together to ratify something. So executive agreements are considered politically binding to distinguish them from treaties, right, which are also legally binding, but they're not treaties. Okay. Now, obviously, you know what an executive order is. Your president just passed one a couple of days ago. Um, you know, for that four hundred dollars, that niggas did. Okay, so consider that to be 
a executive agreement, right? Now, all three classes are considered treaties under international law. So they're very distinct, but only from the perspective of internal United States law. Okay? So distinctions among three, um, excuse me, distinctions among the three things are basically ratification, right, by two-thirds of the state senate, right, by a normal legislative process, or by the president by himself. So the treaty clause that we have under our constitution empowers with the advice and the consent of two-thirds of the Senate. Now, normal legislation becomes law after the approval by a majority. Okay? That's why your, um, your 14th Amendment was never properly ratified. Right? Because it didn't have two-thirds of what it was supposed to have. Now, um, you know, and this, this is really important, right? Because anytime we're talking about treaties, you must put your mind on the fact that a treaty, even if it was done 300 years ago, is still in effect today. In fact, the Treaty of Morocco, Peace and Friendship, is one of the longest treaties that's never been broken, as far as you know, right? A lot of us just came into this, right? Um, you know, within the last, you know, a lot of people listening just came into this information. So, you know, you may not have ever known about a treaty, right? Within the last few years, you may have just found out, right? And then you have to ask yourself, well, how do I become a party to a treaty? Okay, so let's just get right into it, right? Because I, I think that um, it's important to give you some terms here that you can build on. So there's a term called plenipotentiary. Right? And if you don't know what a plenipotentiary is, let me give you the definition, right? So a plenipotentiary is a diplomat, one who is fully authorized to represent a government as a prerogative, such as an ambassador or an envoy, okay? Now, diplomats are plenipotentiaries. So before the era of rapid international transportation or essentially instantaneous communication, Right, you would have what would be known as a diplomatic chief, and they were granted the status of a plenipotentiary. Right, where these were powers to represent their government in negotiations with their host nation. So, if you hop on a boat or something like that, and you went to another nation, you would be considered a plenipotentiary. Okay, now historically, the common generic term for a high diplomat or of the crown or the state was called a minister. Right, and this is where your ministerial duties come in, even within trust. Now you understand why you have ministerial duties in trust, right? And then you have substantial duties, right? So now it was therefore a customary style that the chiefs of full-ranking missions as uh, minister plenipotentiaries was known. Now the position of a plenipotentiary. Right, was roughly equivalent to the modern term of what we would call today an ambassador. Okay, so this is a term that historically is reserved mainly for missions between great powers and also relating to doggo city states of uh, Venice, okay, or um, your Vatican. Okay, now permanent missions at a bilateral level 
are chiefly limited to relations between large neighboring or closely allied powers, rarely to the numerous small principalities, right? So, and this is why I told y'all last week that there was always, anytime that these people got together and they would meet, they would get together and they would meet based upon um, their own customs. Right? So everybody had a custom in terms of how they carried out their diplomatic duties. Okay? Now, we have what was known as the Holy Roman Empire, right? And the Holy Roman Empire um, was a multi-ethnic complexitory territory in Western Europe. Right? And they had the the Polyonic Wars, right? This is where you, you had your, your different kingdoms that sprung up over time, right? And all this shit was done under what we call the crown, okay? So they were passing their own treaties. But, for example, right, the Peace of uh, Treaty of uh, Versailles, right? It was done in 1783. This ended the American Revolution, okay? But this was something that was done under the Holy Roman Empire. So the Holy Roman Empire, I want you to think of like a trust, okay? Now, the Vienna Congress from 1814 to 1815, right, which dealt with the codified diplomatic relations, okay, had ambassadors. And the ambassadors had become a common title. And this was, this established basically your your title of minister plenipotentiary, okay? Now... If you take a plenipotentiary today, this would be known as your head of state, like I told y'all last week, your ambassador, this would be your magnanimous leader, your king, things of that particular nature, right? Now, when you step outside of diplomatic plenipotentiary, um, there are permanent administrators, right, known as plenipotentiary powers, right? So then you have your central government. So then you can consider basically your central government in each country a plenipotentiary power. So this is likely to occur when there is a uh, at, a, a remote administered territory, right, for the central government. Okay. Now, um, there's another title I'm going to give you, and the title is called Viceroy, right? So a viceroy is an official who runs a polity. In the name of and as a representative of a monarch of the territory. Now, a polity is identifiable as a political entity, right? Body politics, also known as a polity, right? So, polity is any group of people who have collectively gotten together. They says, "Hey, we got a collective identity. We're, we're Moors, right?" Okay. Now, these people are organized by some form of institutionalized social relation with each other and they have the capacity to mobilize their resources together and this makes them a body politic aka a polity so a polity can be any other group of people that are organized for governance such as a corporate board the government of a country a subdivision or even a sovereign state okay now I want you to ask yourself What's your polity? What polity are you under? What polity have you been represented by? Right? Because this this is a you know this is something a lot of people don't think about when it comes down to international law, right? 
And, you know, it's just like calling yourself black, right? When you call yourself black, you essentially are under a policy that they refer to under the, the central government as a African American. Okay? So that policy is a group of people who've come together and they call themselves African Americans. Okay? Now, when we think about polity, right, and, and geopolitical status, a polity can be manifested in a whole bunch of different forms. So you got state, you got empire, you got international organization, you got political organization, you got church, you got uh, identifiable groups, you have resource uh, manipulating organizations, aka banks. Okay, so a polity like a state does not need to be a sovereign unit. Now, all of this has to do with trees and trust, because when you are in a polity, you have the ability to do what's known as self-government. So um, the most preeminent polity right today are what we call nation states. Now, a nation state is a state which has a great majority of shares within a culture, right? It deals with culture. Now, the nation-state is an idea. It deals with your cultural bodies. It deals with your political bodies, your political boundaries, your political subdivisions, right? So according to one definition, a nation-state is a sovereign state of which most of its subjects are united by factors which determine the nation as a language or a common descent. So what's your common descent? Okay. So a more precise concept than country, right, is that it doesn't need to have a predominant ethnic group to be a nation state. Right? Now, a nation in the sense of uh ethnicity can include things like refugees, the diaspora, okay, people who live outside of the nation state. This is why I tell you all the time when you do your nationality, you cannot just step outside to fourteen eighty one because if you, if you let's just say that you do nationality, you go through the process of fourteen eighty one USC, right, and you officially come out, you're considered stateless at that point in time. So then, at that point in time, you have to actually declare where you, where you're coming from and where you're going. Or you're considered stateless, which means that you're not protected by the trees. Okay? Now, there's something called a multinational state, right? Now, a multinational state is where there is no one ethnic group that dominates the polity. Okay? This is where you get the whole multicultural thing at, right? So, a city state is a smaller version of a um, of a polity, if you will, right? But it deals with the nation in the sense of sovereignty of a smaller territory, okay? Then you have an empire, right? An empire is composed of a whole bunch of countries, possibly non-sovereign states, and nations under a single monarch or ruling state government. Now, you do realize that America is actually what we would call 
um, part of the empire. It's part of Morocco. Right? I don't know where people got that old America old Vespucci shit. That's not where America came out. Come on, man. This shit is part of a body politic, aka an empire to call the empire of Morocco. Okay? Now, the Iroquois Confederacy. And we'll use them we use them for an example. We use them for an example, right? The Iroquois Confederacy. Um, was known as a confederation, right? And this and this dealt with a league of sovereign states. So you had a league of tribes that came together, and they banded together, and they did treaties amongst each other, and they were sovereign states, right? And they didn't include one nation, so they were a confederation or a confederacy, right? Then you have what's known as a federated state, right? Now, a federated state, which may or may not be a nation state, is only partially self-governing within a larger federation. So, for example, you have a state boundary, right, from one state to the next. Okay. Now, it can get a little complex because you get things like political legitimacy of whether or not it's a state or not. And you get something known as ethnogenesis, right? And ethno ethnogenesis is um, – this is basically a formation or a development of an ethnic group, right? And and this basically um, can originate through a process of self-identification, right? So you can become something within your state through self-determination, self-identification, and that's the reason why the um, Declaration for Human Rights for Indigenous Peoples is really important to those who know how to truly use it. I lost a few people. What happened? That wasn't feeling this. <laughs> I don't give a shit. All right, let's keep going, man. Cause, cause, because this is going to, now we're going to get into it, all right? Now, I'm going to give you some steps tonight to help you understand the treaty-making process. All right, and hopefully this will help solidify some things for some people, right? So, now, number one. There are precursors to the treaty-making process, right? So in certain instances, in international law, right, um, which are faced with uh, newly emerging and recognized problems, right, there's precursors to the treaty-making process, okay? So there's got to be some type of international dispute before the treaty-making process can happen. Right? There has to be some type of binding agreement that's going to take place before a treaty can even happen. So in some instances, the adoption of a decision such as making a treaty can occur as soon as whatever the nation state is, is seized. And this is why I told y'all last week that um, a lot of things happen in war, right? Because a lot of times you, you'll see countries going to war with each other and the war will be on paper right stroke of a pen okay now number two when you're initiating the treaty making process right the idea eventually becomes an international convention it originates somewhere in the brain of some person through some somebody's retrospect right and it's possible to identify the author right through some type of creative process, if you will, 
right? So let me give you an example, right? You have what's known as the IGO, you have what's known as the NGO. So the different things that need to happen, right, um, to take for this to even take place, or A, needs to be an instrument that that's presented. Okay. B, the existing legal regime, including the extent of its applicability to the perceived problem, needs to be ready to make an agreement. Okay. C, any relevant legislative efforts by a legislative body, and that legislative body can be a board of trustees, whoever's legislating the rules and the regulations, right? Now, the likelihood of success in developing this instrument known as a treaty needs to be, it, 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 there needs to be a resolution and a solution that's reached. Okay, so the optimal the optimal form of a proposed instrument is the treaty, the solemn declaration, the model of law, the rule of law. Right? Then there's going to be an uh, anticipated time schedule for when they may call it a project, for when the project is completed. Okay? Then there's got to be um, a discussion on how much is it going to cost for us to actually carry out this treaty. Because they're going to ask that, right? So, when you're formulating multilateral treaties, and we've talked about multilateral treaties, because you have bilateral, multilateral. Well, formulating multilateral treaties is decided um, formally when there is an initiating process, right? That number one makes the treaty, and then number two brings multiple polities into play. So depending on uh, what what actually, because this is really important, because you have to have people in your uh, body of law who make the treaty who actually know what the fuck they're doing. So you have to have well-studied people to even create a multilateral treaty, because it's going to deal with not just two countries. It's going to deal with maybe four, five, six, might even deal with ten countries. Okay, so there's got to be some type of negotiation process, right? See. An international agreement is a formal understanding or a commitment between countries, right? It's an agreement between countries um, that can be bilateral, it can be multilateral, it can be trilateral, right? But the countries are bound by the agreement when they're creating the treaty. So under international law, a treaty is a legally binding agreement, and the treaty can be called a convention, and this is where you get your Vienna Convention from, okay? It could be called a protocol, a pact, an accord. Okay. Now, it is the context of the agreement, literally what is inside the agreement that creates the treaty itself. Right? Because you could put anything on paper, but what's on the paper? Okay. Now, um, you need to go take a look at the G- the Geneva Geneva the Geneva Protocol. Right, because the Geneva Protocol deals with how some of these countries have made treaties to deal with biological weapons. Right, because a lot of times, what happens with the Geneva Convention? Well, in the Geneva Convention, most of these countries are holding weapons 
and they don't want, you know, they don't want what's called mutual destruction with each other. So they create treaties. So you say, hey, look, if you set off your weapons, we're going to set off our weapons. It's a mutual destruction thing, right? So a treaty is negotiated by a whole group of countries, right, that deals with international relations. Then your UN comes in, okay, then your UN Council comes in. So unless a treaty contains provisions uh, of further agreements of actions, right, which which are always legally binding actions, an amendment to a treaty is binding. That's what I told y'all last week. Anytime a nation state creates a treaty, it absolutely has to be bound by that treaty. This is why when y'all do your nationality, these people are bound by the treaty. They're bound by the complexities of the treaty. There's a lot of information here. I'm going to go into I gotta take a quick break. I need some water. So we'll take a quick break. I don't wanna overwhelm y'all with some of this stuff. And we'll be right back. Keep it locked. And there's a lot of information here, and the shit can get kind of technical. 
So I want to direct your attention to a couple of things here, right? Um, there's something known as the Vienna Convention on the Laws of Treaties, right? So the Vienna Convention is an international agreement, right? And it deals with regulating um, ideas, I think that's what they are, of treaties between two states, one state, more than one state, four or five states, whatever. Okay, but the Vienna Convention, all right, known as the Treaty on Treaties, establishes a comprehensive rule and procedure and guideline for how treaties are defined, how they're drafted, how they're amended, how they're interpreted, and how they're operated, right? And they call it the VCLT, the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties. It's considered a codification of what we call customary international law, right? And, you know, a lot of people, you know, we like to deal with Constitution, y'all want to deal with the shit in your state, but when you become a real national, you start dealing with international law. Start dealing with customary law. This is why I ask you, what are your customs? Right? So customary international law basically is an aspect of international law, and it, it deals with the, the principles of your customs. Right? So it deals with general principles of law and the treaty customs, right? And all of these are considered in an international court of justice. So when there's a problem internationally, when there's any problem internationally, you go to the IJC or the ICJ. Okay? Um, now, the United Nations steps in, right? Then you have the member states. So this is where you get the, the people who join. And don't think Noble Drew Ali didn't deal with this stuff, right? He dealt with all of this stuff. Now, a lot of governments accept in principle the existence of customary international law, although everybody's got a different opinion on how international law should be done. This is why each country has a different custom. This is the reason why they deal with customary international law, and that's the reason why they had a convention on treaties, and they did a treaty on treaties. Now, there's something known as the International Law Commission, right? And this listed all of the sources as forms of evidence to customary international law, right? It dealt with treaties, decisions of national and international courts. Um, it dealt with national legislation. It dealt with the opinions of nationals. It dealt with uh, diplomatic correspondence, right? So everybody says, well, I've got diplomatic community. Do you really have diplomatic community? Right? Don't don't just tell me that you got diplomatic immunity. You know what I'm saying? Show me, prove to me. Where are your treaties? What treaty are you a part of? Right? Who's the signatory in your treaty? Right? See, the United States is a signatory, right, to all of the countries who are parties to the Vienna Convention. So the convention, the Vienna Convention, I'll just give you a little background here. The Vienna Convention was adopted to signature on the twenty third of May nineteen sixty nine. Okay. Um, and then it was basically entered into force in 1980. Okay, there was 116 states that came into the convention, and some of these particular states, such as the United States, right, were recognized as a um, a body politic, right? And they had their own customary law on how they do things. Uh, this is why you can see 
the United States or like, uh, for instance, the state of Missouri sued China for the coronavirus. So even the state that you live in is basically considered to be a body politic, a polity. Okay. So the Vienna Convention drafted by the International uh, Law Commission of the United Nations has been put in place since 1949 to help carry out the treaties. Because there's a lot of treaties that have been broken. Look at all your Native Americans who've been part of treaties that have been broken. All right. So then that that's going to move me over to my next point, which is the Hague Convention. Right. And a lot of times, you know, we we tell you well, go well, authenticate your birth certificate and use the Hague Convention. But a lot of us don't understand why we're using the Hague Convention. I don't know what it is about this topic. Y'all must not like this topic because I get a lot of people that keep dropping off on this topic. It's cool. This will be the last time I talk about treaties. <laughs> All right. So the 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 Hague Convention specifically, right? Um, from 1899 to 1907, are a series of international treaties. They deal with declarations. They deal with your peace conferences, right? So the Hague Convention is really important, right? Because it deals with what is known as the law of war. Now, the law of war is a component of international law, right? And I told you last week that when you're dealing with treaties, you're dealing with war. Thank you, God. I appreciate that. Okay. And when you're dealing with war, you're dealing with something known as just ad bellum, right? Now, just ad bellum is a criteria where before you engage in war, there has to be some type of permissible purpose, right? And normally they'll try to create a treaty. If not, the treaty gets created afterwards so the countries don't go to war again, right? But the laws of war define sovereignty. They define nationhood. They define your state. They define your territory. They define your occupation. They define the occupation of the belligerent. Now, let me let me pour that up for you, niggas. Because a lot of people have forgotten. Let me pull it up. Now, and, and this, and when we talk about occupation, you're under occupation right now. This whole country is under occupation. They call it military occupation, right? Which is basically, um, it's control by a ruling party over your territory. Now, and don't think that you're exempt from this, right? Because it deals with formal sovereignty. So the territory is occupied. By a ruling party Which is known as the occupant And occupation is distinguished from annexation Which is on your birth certificate Where you authenticate it Okay And, and annexation by the way is a, is a concept Also in international law And guess what it deals with Acquisition Of one territory By another state And generally it's an illegal act Okay? So it's distinct from conquest, though. Right? Because conquest, which refers to acquisition of control over territory, involves the change of sovereignty. You see? And it also differs from secession. So a territory is given and sold through treaty. And because there's annexation, which annexation is a unilateral act, 
where territory is seized and held by one state, it usually follows military occupation. So when your ass goes to get the birth certificate authenticated, they're releasing you from military occupation. You niggas don't even see what you're doing. See, annexation can be legitimized with a, a recognition by international body. That's the reason why that's that is the whole reason. This is, I'm on the radio. But now, annexation is really important. Right? Um, this basically deals with international bodies. It deals with countries and intergovernmental organizations. So when you annex yourself from the United States, you've come from up under military occupation, and you've done it by way of a treaty. Y'all don't even know that you're already using the treaties. So the rule of occupation is delineated. And I gave y'all the definition last week of delineation. The brother wanted to test me, so I gave him the, the very definition of delineation. Delineation is when something looks like or portrays something, right? So the Hague Convention deals with delineation. It deals with relevant international conventions. This is where your treaties come from. So when we start talking about prisoners of war, POFs, you are literally still a descendant of a prisoner of war. A prisoner of war is a non-combatant, right? It's a belligerent. It's a civilian who's held captive by a belligerent power. So when you go around talking about I'm a civilian, <laughs> the military looks at you like a prisoner of war. And you haven't used any treaties to come up out of that. And that's the reason why authenticating the birth certificate is so important and it's so powerful, right? Because belligerents hold prisoners of war in custody for damn near their whole life if they don't know. Right? And then they do what's called repatriating. But then they repatriate your ass back into society as something new. Second class citizen. So you came up out of your status as a Moor, and you got repatriated back in as a belligerent or a prisoner of war by a treaty because within your own country, your own country can use the treaties against you if you're not careful about how you move and do things, right? It's simply called indoctrination. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is, this is a deep subject that, that we're really dealing with here, right? And I, and it's going to go over some people's heads, no disrespect, but you're going to have to go back and really listen to what the fuck I'm saying tonight. So, now, the law of the belligerent deals with what happens when your territory has been occupied, right? It happened in ancient times. It happened in your Middle Ages. It happened in the modern times. It happened in World War One. happened in World War Two. Happened in World and what's what you would consider now World War Three almost. Okay. It also deals with your blood oaths. If you don't know. Okay. So from the second half of the 18th century onward, international law has come to distinguish between the occupation of a country and the territorial acquisition by invasion. Annexation. So, so the, the law of nations, which was done in 1758, 
makes a clear distinction between a civilian, a sovereign, a belligerent. Okay? Finish this with the law of war. So when we're, when we're talking about the law of war, because literally what we're dealing with right now is war, right? And I've told y'all this before, right? When you're talking about the law of war, you have to know what war is, right? So, and I'll tell you again, the law of war is the component of international law. So when you ask me, well, what do, the, what do this treaty information got to do with me? And I'm just trying to be a war, man. I'm just trying to discharge my debt. You can't, you can't write international bills of exchange. You cannot write international bills of exchange as a civilian. Now, among other issues, right, being a prisoner of war or what they call a military necessity, you're prohibited from doing shit like carrying a weapon. How many of y'all niggas in New York right now can't even carry a pistol on your hip down the street to protect yourself? Because you're considered a civilian. See, the law of war is considered distinct from other bodies of law, right? Such as domestic law, particularly belligerent conflict. Now, um, you know, war, right, is a is a limit to achieving a political goal. So, when whenever you see war happen it's a political goal that's trying to be achieved right so war is supposed to be brought to an end quickly this is the reason why they were swift with the pen and removing you from your status as a moor and then placing you under the 14th amendment and they did it with the stroke of a pen by ratifying your 14th amendment unconstitutionally at that okay now this protects the combatants and it protects the non-combatants as well, right? This is why people become casualties of war. So your Hague Convention, which is the international treaty, right, on treaties, just like the Vienna Convention is, it deals with war, okay? And it's why it's, why it's so important to learn about treaties and learn how to write your own shit, come up under the treaties, right? Because other than that, you're under domestic law. You become what's known as a domestic sovereign, like your Native Americans. And this is the reason why you see they have treaties, and they have so many treaties that they've done, yet the treaties don't get honored. Why don't they get honored? They don't get honored because they're domestic sovereigns. Now, <clears throat> let me pull something here from my book. Which I'm going to read something to y'all. The Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties, which was adopted May 23, 1969. It was entered into force on January 27, 1980. Okay, Article 19, Formulation of Reservations, says that a state may, when signing, ratifying, accepting, approving, or acceding to a treaty, it may formulate a reservation unless, A, the reservation is prohibited by the treaty, B, the treaty provides that only specified reservations which do not include the reservation in question may be made or C in case not falling under subparagraph A and B the reservation is incompatible with the object and purpose of the treaty why do you think they creating reservations reservations wasn't just created because they wanted to be nice and give your ass some land as a Native American they created the reservations because it was under the cultural treaties 
it's humanitarian, right? And by the way, they get money for being uh, being being a bit humanitarian to you and showing you a little bit of love. It's humanitarianism. Okay, so acceptance and objection to reservations. And let's just I'm gonna go through this with y'all so we can have some basic understanding. Okay, right? So number one. A reservation expressly authorized by a treaty does not require any subsequent acceptance by the other contracting state unless the treaty provides for it. Number two, when it appears from the limited number of negotiating states and the object and the purpose of a treaty that the application of the treaty in its entirety between all parties is an essential condition… Of the consent of each one of those who are bound by the treaty, a reservation requires acceptance by all of the parties. Now, you do understand that Native Americans didn't just put on – they didn't just get put on the land, right, because of the treaty. They had to accept the fact that they were going to be put on that land. They could have very well become straight-up sovereigns, but they chose domestic sovereignty. They chose to go under a trust relationship, a trust relationship didn't require their acceptance. Like anything else, they had to accept the contract. Number three, when a treaty is a constituent instrument, I told you, look at that. Look at that right there. A treaty, when a treaty is a constituent instrument, they, con- they consider the treaty to be instruments. If you don't know what an instrument is, you need to go look it up. Matter of fact, I'll look it up for you. Let me pull it up. An instrument. A legal instrument is a legal term of art that is used for any formally executed written agreement that can be formally uh, attributed to its author, the records, and formally expressed as legally enforceable, an act, a process. A contractual duty, an obligation, a right, and therefore evidence is the act, the process, or the agreement. It's a formal goddamn agreement. So when a treaty is a constituent instrument of an international organization, and unless it otherwise provides, a reservation requires the acceptance of the competent organ of that organization. Now, let me, let me give you another legal definition here. Okay. Uh, organ. Organ. And, and organ is defined as a structure. A political structure. Okay. Number four. In cases not falling under the preceding paragraphs and unless the treaty otherwise provides acceptance by another contracting state of a reservation constitutes the reserving state a party to the treaty in relation to that other state if when the treaty is in force for those states B an objection by another contracting state to a reservation does not preclude the entry into force of the treaty as between the objecting and the reserving state unless a contrary intention is definitely expressed by the objecting state. So look, you got to object 
to what they put you under. If not, silence is acquiescence. Okay. C. An act expressing the state's consent to be bound by the treaty and containing a reservation is effective as soon as at least one other contracting state has accepted the reservation. So the moment that these so-called Native Americans moved on the land, they accepted the treaty reservation. They accepted the contract. Okay? Five. For the purpose of paragraph two and four, unless the treaty otherwise provides, a reservation is considered to have been accepted by a state if it shall have raised no objection to the reservation by the end of the period of 12 months after it was notified of the reservation or by the date on which it expressed its consent to be bound by the treaty, whichever is later. What did I tell you? Are y'all, y'all following me here? Let me keep going. Okay. A reservation established with regard to another party in accordance with Articles 19, 20, and 23 modifies the reserving state in its relations with the other party. So the reservation does not modify the provisions of the treaty for the other parties to the treaty, and they're called interse. Interse is the legal term. Okay. I-N-T-E-R-S-E. Interse. Look, I'm trying to help y'all right now, man, and, and it, because this shit is so crucial. If you drop off this, you're only missing your own education, right? So let, let me go back to the law of war, and let's let's talk about the Old Testament right quick, right? Because the Old Testament is the first part of the Christian biblical canon, which dealt with canon law. Okay. And if you know anything about canon law, it's a collection of ancient Hebrew writings. Okay. So shout out to my Hebrews, right? My Moors, right? But canon law dealt with the Word of God, your original treaties. So the second part of your Christian Bible is called the New Testament. Okay. Now. The book that composes the Old Testament canon, right, this dealt with your law of war. Okay. So the, the law of war is distinct, like I told you. And it deals with treaties. Now, um, you can pull up, you know, and I'm not a Bible thumper by any means, but I, I know my Bibles, right? I, I grew up Christian. Uh, Deuteronomy 20, 19, 20. It says, uh, when you besiege the city for a long time, making war against it in order to take it, you should not destroy its trees by wielding an axe against them. You may eat from them, but you should not cut them down. Are the trees in the field human that they should be besieged by you? Only the trees that you know are not trees for food you may destroy and cut down that you may build siege works against the city that makes war with you until it falls. Okay. 
then you go to uh, Deuteronomy 20.10.12, it says that when you draw near to a city to fight against it, offer terms of peace to it, a.k.a. a treaty. And if it responds to you peaceably and opens to you, then all people who are found in it shall do forced labor for you and shall serve you. But if it makes no peace with you but makes war against you, then you shall besiege you. Let me give you another one, shall I? Deuteronomy 21, 10, 14 says, Stop, O people, that I may give you ten rules for your guidance in the battlefield. Do not commit treachery or deviate from the right path. You must mutilate dead bodies, neither kill a excuse me, you must not mutilate dead bodies, neither kill a child, nor a woman, nor an aged man. Bring no harm to the trees, nor burn them with fire, especially those which are fruitful. Slay not any of the enemy's flock, save for your food. You are likely to pass by people who have devoted their lives to monastic services. Leave them alone. Listen, man, your fucking canon laws, which are your laws of war, gave you your first treaties. So when I'm sitting here telling y'all that these treaties are the supreme law, they are literally the supreme law. They come from your creator. People are writing treaties based on fucking religion. But y'all hear me, y'all. We have to take a quick break. We're going to come back, open up the car lines. think my lesson is done for the night. Um, you sit right here on the bottom line. New Evolution Radio Network. You want to holler at me, press one. This is the time. We'll be right back. We're going to take some calls, man. See what y'all think about this topic, all right? Peace to the gods. We'll be right, right back.
You're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L. Where remedy meets preparation. All right, PC guys, we're back. Um, all right, real quick, I'm gonna go into before we hit the car lines. I wanna, I wanna pull something up for y'all, okay? Because I'm, you know, a big, big part of this whole thing is, and when we're dealing with um, treaties, you know, and I, I mentioned canon law, right? And a, a big part of all of this is understanding that everybody has their own law. All over the country, right? So, canon law, just to give you a background here, canon law is a set of ordinances and regulations that are made by ecclesiastical authorities, aka church leadership, right? It deals with government, um, it deals with your, your Christian organizations, it deals with your church members, right? But um, in international ecclesiastical law or operational policy, the Catholic Church, the Eastern Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox, the Oriental Orthodox, the Angelican Communion, all of these deal with their canons, right? So the canon deals with how the law is legislated, okay? So all three traditions, the canon was originally a, a rule adopted by a church council. These canons formed the foundation of canon law. So... Etymologically speaking, the root meaning right, is Hebrew for kana, kane, right, K-A-N-E-H, right, um, and this deals with all languages, right, um, and, and, and essentially canon law, right, also deals with your apostles, it deals with apostolistic. So when you're creating your unincorporated associations or in your trust. Your declaration of trust in your laws, your bylaws, are nothing more than canon. Your canon law, your own canon law. And then you turn around and you tie your canon law back into the treaties. Okay. We're going to go to the call line, see what's happening. Let's go to 314 280. You're on the line. Peace to the gods. What's up, bro? Peace, Peace to God. the gods, my brother. How you doing, brother? Are you there? Yeah, I've been I've been having a problem with this phone. It, it, it's been going on for some reason. But uh, that's all right. I put my trust. Okay, I put my I I put my property under uh this uh under that canon law, and they still oh, messing with me, man. Um, so you might not have done it right. Really? And I don't, don't want to sound too sorry about saying you you didn't do it right, but I gotta look at it. I have to see how, exactly how you did it. And, you know, I actually got you down for a consultation, too. So I got to talk to you anyway, yes, and I'll, I'll take a look at your stuff. Um, but, I mean, a lot of times, you know, that's why you do your injunction. That's why when you put your trust in, you notify everybody, you move all your property over to the trust. And sometimes you actually got to go into equity to keep people off your ass. Right, right. You know, I'm in Missouri, so you know they they're the last slave state. So they 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 even the Attorney General, you know they 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 rough man. Mm-hmm. I know. Attorney General is pretty rough yeah. here in this state. I agree. Yeah, they rough. 
They rough, man. Yo, they, even they, the government. They rough. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, keep, Attorney keep General. Mind, you, don't you keep your mind. Keep in mind, Attorney General is under oath. Right? He's under oath to protect the Constitution and the supreme laws of the land, which means that he's got to respect the treaties. Yeah, he sent my injunction back. He said he didn't want to, he well, didn't want to do no contract with me. Of course, of course he's going to do that. I don't think he's going to take note of it. Put it on the record. Of course he don't right. want a contract with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He sent he he, oh, he everybody. Excuse me. I said, what would you do if somebody sent you an injunction? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I would send it back like they, like they did, like they do the whole you thing probably, back. Probably you know, yeah. You probably would. But everybody probably else take note of it. Everybody else accepted it, but him. You know. Well, even the, well, I the said thing it is, the Supreme is that, Court. The well, thing is, is, remember this: the Attorney General is not going to be the one who directly infringes on your rights. And technically, he's mm-hmm. not the one who's, who's supposed to come in unless it's a constitutional question. Right. right? Even in the court. Right. That's what, that's what the whole whole Rule 5.1 is about. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, uh, so when we talk about your covenant, your international covenant, Marseille, what you, what you were talking uh-huh. about is, is you don't need his... Uh, validation for it to be legitimate. You can, if he steps across the line and steps into your trust, you sue his ass. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and also, the, I I sort of missed it. My phone kept going out. Uh, did you? Did you? I know the Peace and Friendship Treaty, but the Treaty of Marrakesh. You know, uh, uh, you and Jonah have been putting a lot of emphasis on that treaty. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. they're all tied in. Uh, pardon me? They're all tied in together. They're all tied in together. Yep. Okay. 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 Treaty of Marrakesh was done in 1787. You there, brother? Yeah, 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 I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Treaty of Marrakesh was done in 1787. Treaty of Peace and Friendship was done in 1777. They're 10 years apart. It, 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 okay. it, it was a series of treaties. Okay. Okay. They all tie in yeah, but what I'm saying, it seems like more emphasis is 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 put on the Treaty of Marrakesh than the Treaty of uh, uh, Peace and Friendship. For us, or more no. is concerned. Never, no, 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 no. That, that's no. what I'm trying to tell you. They all go together. Treaty of Versailles, okay. Treaty of Tripoli, Treaty of Marrakesh, Treaty of Peace and Friendship. All of them should tie in together. Tunis okay. and Tripoli. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I, you got to put emphasis on all of the treaties because there ain't just going to be one. Okay. 
So you need to put the Triple E and Marrakesh, all of, all three of them. You can yeah. absolutely see. See the thing. The thing that wasn't probably properly explained was that all these shits tie in with each other, right? Okay. I mean, even the Peace and Friendship Treaty, it was actually done fully in 1786. Started in 1777. So then 1788 was was when Marrakesh was done. So 86 was you know like each one of them because it takes a long time to create a real treaty like that. Mm-hmm. So, so when it comes down to what you put into your into your particular trust, that's totally up to you. Right. So, so you, I also heard you mention. I thought a bomber signed the uh, um, peace and free uh, friendship treaty before he got out of office. Right. Obama signed. Yeah, Obama signed what was known as the Declaration of Human Rights for Indigenous People. They did that in 2008. Okay, Condoleezza Rice, the one that, that, that okay. Mm-hmm. She was in George Bush's um, cabinet. Second George Bush. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Every 50 years, okay. it got to be signed off on. Every 50 years? Mm-hmm. Every 50 years, right? Okay, so okay. Years, okay, so so Obama uh, signed uh, uh, for indigenous people, correct? Exactly, exactly, and that and that wasn't even so much of a treaty; that was more of a declaration that was put out by the UN, by the United Nations. Uh, right, and and my understanding was that the United Nations wanted us to stand up. And 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 get our status together. Am I correct? We're supposed to. Uh huh. We're supposed to. Right. That's why. That's why so, Obama signed his phone to it because he couldn't do shit up for us. Right. Think of it like this: he couldn't do shit for us domestically. He couldn't come out and just tell you you were more domestically. So internationally, if you know who you are, you'll sign on to that declaration under the UN. And claim your international human rights. Because other okay. than that, remember, if you're a civil uh, civilian, you're you're considered what they call civil mortu or civil mortus, which means that you're civilly dead. You can't tell dead people shit. They dead. Right. 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 So I was reading something, and they said. A civilian national. You can't be a civilian national. You just have to be a national. Yeah, that's an oxymoron. You cannot huh? be. A, yeah, that's an oxymoron. You can't be a civilian and be a national. A, a, a citizen a, national. A civilian you can't be a is, citizen. Yeah. Nope. Nope. You can't. A citizen is a civilian, and those are considered prisoners of war. Okay. Those are considered military combatants, belligerents, Uh stateless people. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That shows that that Minnesota, uh, what, 220, that's the... uh, 
uh, stateless people, right? Well, Minnesota Rule 220 deals with that birth certificate. So that's what I was talking yeah. about. When you, it deals with annexation. So, you know, they don't directly tell you, oh, you've been annexed. You just look at the birth certificate and tell you that. Annexation, that's what it deals with. Okay. So, yeah. it's a form of war. It was in the service. You mm-hmm. understand that? Right. Prisoners of war. Yeah. Yeah, POW. Yeah. Exactly. It's like it's like it's just like uh, in the Civil War. Them brothers left their land to go fight to protect their land and came back to the land as a prisoner of war and then they rewrote the history with the Reconstruction Act and called them slaves. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's an exactly. awful deep history. But but I mean it's still, this history is still going on right now. Yeah, it's going on, and it's going on, you know, it, it, it's going on. You know, like you say, the war is with uh, pen. The pen, the pen is, is, is what's I going on right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what's going on now. That's what's going on now, yeah. you know? Yep. Okay, my brother. I'm going to yield the flow. Thank you, know. you Appreciate you. Yeah, right, absolutely. You, I appreciate you, God. Okay, peace, All right. Peace. peace. Let's go to 313-590. If you're online. Hello? 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 Peace to the God. What's good, brother George Down South Bay? What's up, bro? Peace to the God. How you doing? <clears throat> Man, I'm doing wonderful, magnificent, and great. So happy and thankful that large sums of money come to me quickly and easily always. Mm-hmm. But, man, I, appreci- I appreciate the topic tonight, man, because, um, you know, uh, I've been following you brothers for a while now, you know what I'm saying, and... and I kind of picked up y'all study habits, man, and I was actually um, doing some documents today for myself um, for a court case that I have, and it was interesting with what you was talking about because a lot of that had to deal with a lot of what I was trying to deal with with my court case today. Okay. Go forward. Talk about Sorry, it. Sorry, say that again. Well, you know, it's court just, cases. you know, uh, just basically, you know, uh, eviction for non-payment. Okay. Okay. But how does it tie in for you? Curious. Well, you know, since I'm in trust now, you know what I'm saying? Dealing with, you know, treaties and things of that nature. So, you know what I'm saying? It's, um, I noticed as far as the venue, it's uh, an improper venue. You know, and then they have um, personal jurisdiction and, and uh, subject matter jurisdiction that they're lacking as well, uh, on top of uh, court and satisfaction as well. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you know, the, the question I want to ask you, without going into too much of your business, are you are you an owner or are you a renter? 
owner. Okay. So it's a mortgage case? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, then 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 we can deal with the, the venue being improper in that particular instance. Yeah, we can. Well, from what That's I was what reading, mean. you know, within the uh, oh yeah. And what I was reading within the state, you know what I'm saying, as far as their statutes, you know, they lack um personal jurisdiction just on the merits. Right. You know what I'm saying? So as long as I uh, put in an answer or a pleading mm-hmm. or a responsive uh, pleading or uh, affirmative defense, you know, however you want to call it. Yes, it's called an affirmative defense. Mm-hmm. And if they put in, I was just talking to another brother about this, if they do a motion to dismiss on you, then you do opposition to the motion. Okay. Yeah, because I was reading how they were talking about you having to put in, like, an answer. Yep, that's what the opposition is. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and figured I tied that in. Time to do it. Yeah, that's what I was looking at, too, you know, as far as a duration of time or a reasonable amount of time, I guess is what you would call it. Yep, yep, because they're real sticklers about that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't request more time... Then you, you can get You can lose right based on default Yeah I was reading that too Default's As far as if they're Yeah as far as if they're like non-responsive or something Yep You mess around Default yourself out mm-hmm. So Really important stuff But yeah Keep tying stuff in man It'll, it'll help you Ultimately, in your studies, in your matriculation through even the court processes. Oh yeah, because I mean everything, everything that you and Jonah has talked about over the years, as far as dealing with court cases, you know, as far as you know, Rule Twelve, Rule Five, you know, just different things of that nature. I've, I've found all of that just within the state statutes for this state. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly. You know, it's just. Hey, you see, I even you actually, see, it's all there. It ain't nothing we making up. No, it's not. I mean, even even the express trust, I mean, all that information is there, you know, for the state. And it says express trust in the information and everything. So it's there. Right, exactly. You just got to read it. Exactly. Yep. Yep. But like I said, man, I just just wanted to jump on and let you know, man, I appreciate y'all, man, just because, you know, my study is different now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can can comfortably create my own documents. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I don't I can reach out to y'all, you know what I'm saying, for the wisdom and the knowledge, you know what I'm saying, to give me the discernment for the direction. But, you know, as far as you yeah, know you can really needing y'all to hold my hands. You. Yeah. hmm Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a powerful tool that you can be equipped with. Because that's not something anybody can take away from you, you know. That's facts, man. Like I said, I appreciate y'all for that, man. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all helped me get to this point. So, you know, like I said, I'm oh, yeah, trust. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I've done my proper, you know what I'm saying, due diligence. You know, I've got my injunction in. I've done my birth certificate. I've done my non-UCC. You know, I, I've done, you know, everything that was required. You know what I'm saying? So I know I'm protected. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I just know I got to go in there the proper way. You know what I'm saying? So things can be conducted the way they're supposed to be. Exactly. As they should be. As they should be. But you, but you, you know, you're matriculating through the info. So that's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, y'all laid it out there for us. You know what I'm saying? It's what, six years worth of information out there from y'all? Yeah, man. Maybe, yeah, about six years, yep. It is. I mean, I'm just saying, to be honest. Now, yeah, it is. See what I'm saying? Yep, six years almost seven, man. See what I'm saying? That's a lot of info wow. for a lot wow. of people. But, hey, if you want to get to that point, you know what I'm saying, you got to go through the mud just like the rest of us have. You know what I'm saying? Y'all had to put hey. the information out there just for us to even have to go back and listen to. Yeah, shit. That wasn't no easy. That wasn't no easy time. No, man, because you still doing it, bro. You see what I'm saying? Is you still doing it? That's yeah. the thing. You see Man, what I'm look, saying? That's got what people got to understand. Episodes. That's another 300 episodes. I I still haven't even uploaded to the archives, and then and then and that doesn't include um, what Jonah's done on his station. So that's just on this exactly. Station. So I mean, we yeah, we, we legit got another thousand episodes leased that still need to that still need to go to the archives. You know. Well, I mean, hey, I'm ready whenever y'all is, man, because as soon as y'all upload it, I'm downloading, so. Oh, no doubt. Well, you know, you can always go on podcast, too. Um, all of these, oh, yeah, all of these right. shows are now on podcast, yep. All these yeah, shows are on podcast, grab all those. you can put them up. Yep, yep. Just type in on podcast, type in New Evolution Radio Network. It's going to come right up for you. No doubt. Well, I appreciate it, Joy. I know it's top of the hour, bro. So I'm gonna uh, go ahead and yield the floor so you let some more people get in, bro. No doubt. But I appreciate no doubt. you. Thank God. you, God. Good to hear from you, bro. Peace out. No doubt. Peace to the God. Peace to the God. And the brother was right. We are at the top of the hour. If you got your hand up, keep your hand up, and we'll be right back. Take some more phone calls. See you right here on the bottom line on the New Evolution Radio Network. We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. For real. For real.
Let's go back to the call line. Uh, I don't know about that track of time. Let's go to 313-586 on the line. Anything you're going to keep a long-ass hand, they're going to run them motherfucking bags up on you. 313-586. Mm. 313-586 on the line. I'm over, man. All right. 313-I called you. I came to you three one three. You didn't answer, man. We're gonna keep it going. Six three six two four nine. What up? Peace to the gods. Just leaving the crib too. Um, what's good? Yo, great show. This is another great show. I mean, dropping the knowledge on these treaties. Oh man, treaties. The, treaties go along with the trust. Uh, yeah, man. man. This is. It's, it's a lot of information. It's, I, I gotta admit, it's a lot of information. And uh, as of lately, hella information. Hella information. I, I tell people all the time, you know, this is it's something. It's something that's gonna be like ever overstanding. You know, it's not gonna be just like one, two shows, or Mm-mm. you know, you Mm-mm. you tackle like a thousand shows. No, it don't make a difference. It's, it's 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 for life. This is a life. Mm-hmm. That's why we keep. That's why we keep building on this shit. Yeah. So my thing is, like I said, I was just leaving. I have wrote down a, like a couple of questions, but I got my shoes on and stuff. And my my thing was, was um, yeah, my thing was uh, that um, with me, you know, I'm getting back to print of my time and stuff like that. If I can, you know, do my due diligence, you know, I always you know been about that that lifestyle. But uh, you know, trying to you know take care of everything and all the extra stuff and do studying. I'm telling you people, it can be overwhelming, but you know what? It's just it's important. I mean, it's freeing yourself. So I just put that out there. Which brings me to... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, which brings me to a question, actually. Um, this kind of goes along with that. Okay, so since I'm in trust and everything... Oh, man, I had a situation uh, uh, probably about a couple of weeks ago um, where I actually had an accident. And I still had my freaking, you know, my insurance and that insurance is something that that uh, expired license. So I don't okay. know if I got to just if I just got to take the L on this. What? Okay. So what? What's this? What's that? Okay. Well, here's the thing. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I mean, now, I'm, I'm willing to take the L. Yeah. I'm just saying. Well, here's the thing. Unless they bring it up about the license being expired, I wouldn't say nothing. Yeah, because that's not. I'm not at fault. And you say what again? I can hear you. Unless they bring up the fact that the license was expired, I wouldn't say anything. It was valid. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not yeah. even the issue with me. My yeah. my thing is because I, I still yeah. have uh, mm-hmm. broker's insurance anyway, so. I'm still good. Yeah, the insurance if, will cover you if you, as long as you, as long as you bond it, you're good. Okay. People don't okay. insurance ain't nothing but a bond. Yeah, so no, it's, it's as long as you, my thing, yeah. My thing was is that 
by me being in trust, I still have an insurance. And I'm pretty sure if it's up under the license, it's got to be up under the social. So that's why I was like, that just walked well, away from me. Well, well, I'm I'm sure that it was. And you know what? That's a no. That's that's actually one of the things we're going to be going over in this next we- in this webinar part four this next coming weekend. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is the bonding, you know, on the insurance okay. and stuff like that? That's one of the things we're going to go into. So people people can know how to get their own insurance, self insurance. But okay. ideally, okay, yeah. I mean, if you was already yeah, if you was already bonded and you already had insurance, you know, on the vehicle and you wasn't at fault, then you don't have nothing to worry about. Okay, you know, cool. but that's another reason why it's so important to have insurance for your trust and have everything under trust and have trust insurance and all mm-hmm. that. This way you don't have to worry about that. Exactly. You don't gotta worry oh, about whether or not that license is because to be honest with you, insurance ain't insurance is not um it is not dependent upon whether your license was expired or whether you had a license at all. Okay, yeah, all right. I mean, you know what? That's proven because, like I said, I have broker's insurance. So even when I had my insurance, I still had my stuff was being, you know, <laughs> you know, they put me down as, you know, uh, exactly. uh, I forget whatever you call it. I'm thinking of right now. But yeah. Oh, I'm going to put out there also, um, I'm going to put up on the line uh, on your website. Um, people want to get in on this webinar, uh, you know, you know, you know, we do got that doggone um, uh, rolling stuff going on out here. So, you know, business is down and all that, you know, all that stuff that's going on right now, Joey. So definitely, like, mm-hmm. if anybody out there, I heard you mention a couple of 314 numbers, you know, I'm going to put my name up there again and stuff like that and see if some people want to get in with me, you know. Oh, by the way, uh, oh. the show will take place, the webinar is going to take place at 1 p.m.? It's at 1 p.m. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll be just getting back in time mm-hmm. about twelve. One, one p.m. One p.m. Central Time. That's two two o'clock Eastern. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You know I'm Central Time too, so I already knew what he's talking about. But yeah. Yep. Yeah, God, this is a great show. I mean, you know, um, these treaties, uh, definitely. Oh, oh, there's something else. Okay, when it comes down to um, the fourteen eighty one uh, rule. No, it's not rule um, 1481, but that's the year. Yeah, you, you I can't see. remember. Nice yeah, USC. Okay, so when it comes down to that, and, you know, that's all about basically uh, renunciation. So when, when you actually are in trust and stuff like that, I mean, like, what's the purpose of, like, actually doing that? Because that's more so for, like, it's, that's, that's the whole renunciation. Well, well, and, well, um, well just, listen, just having the trust that's yeah, but just having the trust doesn't mean that you're not a U.S. citizen. This is why exactly. it's so important to still, yeah, that's why it's so important to still actually do the nationality mm-hmm. aspect of it. Because niggas will set up a trust and think, oh, I'm good, I got a trust set up, but you're still a U.S. citizen. Right. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the trust, no, I'm not yeah, saying the trust that. does have a nationality. Yeah, it does. But you got to claim the nationality, so you got to put that in there. And that's why I was trying to figure out, like, when you do that, that's, I mean, when when you put when you put that in there in your trust. Uh, telling you know yep. demanding your or telling them what you are and stuff like that. Is, is there a difference between uh, the the that aspect USC fourteen I mean fourteen eighty one? Is there a different aspect versus you just telling them putting it inside the trust? Because I know you, you your process is a little bit more lengthy. Yeah, everything is based know. on everything. Everything is based on your expression, even the, the passport yep. process. Yeah, okay. so. 1481, if you read it thoroughly, it's based on your own cognition or how you come out. So, oath of renunciation, 
just what it is. It's the oath that you're renunciating yourself. So, however you've renunciated yourself. Okay. 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 I got you. Because I know the council. It's formal, which okay. means that it's, yeah, it's not informal. It's formal. The it's formal, formal oath. The formal procedures. Yep, formal oath, and that's what's needed. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because it has to be a formal oath anyway. So so let me ask again. Let me just rephrase this because make sure I understand it. Is that still considered a formal oath if you entrust and you just put that in there and you trust that, yo, this is what I am? Nope. That's no, nope. And it's not, that's not considered a formal oath. Just putting it in your trust. A formal oath is a formal process, which means it's a judicial process or a consular process. Well, a consular process okay. is also a clerical process, and all that shit's judicial. So it still has to go through a court, court a court okay. of record. Okay, court of record. All right, well, yo, I'll yield the floor. I appreciate it. All right, Definitely bro. appreciate it. Thanks for the good Thanks. question. It's good to hear from you. Peace to God. Some good questions he asked there. Uh three one three five eight six. You on the line. Three one three five eight six, you there? Okay. Okay. We're gonna keep going. I don't know what they got going on over there. Three one three five nine oh. That brother sound here at work. Six one oh nine eight three. What up? Peace to the God, Joey. Peace to Peace, the God. Bro. Peace to the God. Yeah. I hope you feel wonderful and great. Magnificent. Oh, as man. always, man. Man. Man, I do. Feeling real magnanimous. You know? <laughs> Thank you, magnanimous friend. Thank you for the lesson, man, as cool, always, bro. man. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah man. bro, no problem, man. I enjoy dropping it. Yeah, man, as always, man, that topic is fresh as shit, man. Yeah, man. Fresh. I'm going to keep on coming with it, too. Well, she, you know, we're we so versed in the U.S. portion of this story, but, you know, it's good you bring yeah, this no. topic because I'm anxious to learn more of both sides of the story myself. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, man, I got so much more info to drop, bro. This is such this is such a broad topic. Niggas don't niggas don't get there's there've been so many treaties done all over the world. That's why they did the Treaty of Versailles because it's a treaty on treaties. It it yeah, literally is a topic we could talk about the rest of the year just on treaties. I get it, man, and I get that because it's like the more you talk about it. It takes me deeper and deeper. Like I got a general understanding of it, but um, when when they're all tied in together, and they all happen right after another in succession like that, yep. They t- all tell they yep. each telling a story, man. Like yes, as to yes. what's going on. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So like, even, I'm, even I'm the verbal wars, yeah. Which wars? The Berber Wars. That's the Berber Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's like, it's like, like when you was reading out of Deuteronomy and stuff, it's like that all connects up to the biblical time because, like, we're like actually in biblical time. So, like, yeah, yeah. like, 
you picked that, right? You, you picked up on that. I, 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 ain't nobody say nothing about that yet. So I was wondering if you picked up on that. Them, them Deuteronomies, I was dropping. <laughs> yeah. Them Deuteronomies yeah. are powerful. Yeah, man. Like I, I am not gonna sit here and try to go back and forth with you. Like I'm, like I'm with you on that, man. But I'm, I'm definitely listening and learning each piece that you drop, and I'm trying to put it all together. And I want to, you know, just like interact with you from time to time about it, just to make sure I got the uh, the understanding correct of it, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the Deuteronomies are we can look at you can look at them like ecclesiastical canons, and they okay. they directed, um, excuse me, ecclesiastical ministers on how to carry out their duties, um, in the polity under the tree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and like, just seems so like every everything the, was a, the, the cannons of war. Cannons of war. That's what he was talking about the cannon wars and, and the cannon law earlier. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. See, you see what I'm saying? Okay. Yes. All right. All right. I, you talk. You talking again? Yeah. Oh, dang. Oh. Okay. All right. All right, all right. It's deep, man. It's deep, and I'm, I'm just at the surface of it. And then you said, you said, yeah, it, you said, you, you had said some synonyms earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And you were talking mm-hmm. about uh, a treaty. Another word for a treaty is an accord. Yeah, you heard that too, didn't you? You see, there, there yeah. we go. An accord and satisfaction, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so okay. So, so in essence, so in essence, let me piece this together, man. Because let me make sure I got this. So you, so when you send them that instrument, which you 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 talked about instruments earlier. So when you send them the instrument, Joey, yeah, right under your nose essence, all the time. That's the accord, isn't it? Yes, it is. When they satisfy, when they uh, what do I want to say, when they tender that instrument, when or or when they cast the instrument, then that's the satisfaction. That's the treaty agreement. That's correct. That's correct. So, so a lot of people don't understand that an accord is just that. It's an agreement, right? It it, it gives or grants somebody. Power, status, recognition, head of state, right? Yes. Yeah, that's so that's that's what. Yeah, that's what we dealing with. That's literally what we're dealing with. <laughs> I see you've been listening. Yeah, yeah, you picked up on some on some heavy shit. I I dropped it. I thought flew past a few people, but you, you're pretty astute, brother. It took me a while to get used to the way you drop it because you go fast, but like you know, I'm getting used to how you, you know what I mean, and where the end of your sentences and how you end it off, and you know where your punchlines comes in. So I'm just getting used to it and stuff, you know. Yeah, I think I love it, man. I'll flow from topic to topic, but I keep it all about the same topic. So it's just different shit that I'm giving you, 
And everything I'm talking about, man, y'all can go look it up. Y'all, y'all can go back and do your own research on it. Because I ain't making this shit up. You know, this is all real. This is right knowledge. That, that, that's a fact. That's a fact. Because everything I look up, you said, was right there. And it's just like um, the brother Jonah. So it's it, no, it's yep. all right there. That's right. It's all magic. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I com I combine how I was originally taught as a law master with some of the ways that that Jonah taught. You know what I'm saying? And then with my own style. You know, and and, and that's 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 why I drop shit the way I drop it, right? And I got my own style to it. But at the end of the day, if you can pick it up, you can pick it up. You know, this ain't yeah. no trickery. I, you know, I ain't no tricks in my bag. I'm just going to drop this shit straight up to you and lay it out. Nah. I love it, man. And and if you and you if, that, if that's not enough for people, man, they can always use the three, six, and nine rule, man. Listen three times with the yes, three, six. Can. And that's always yes, going to work. Exactly. Yeah, that's man, how I, I just wanted to drop that. Yeah, bro. I appreciate you dropping that, man. And thank you, thank you for bringing up the cannons and the accord. You know, because uh, I think that it's good that we revisited that, so some people can put that fresh in their mind again. Go back and listen to this show, and you'll pick that up again. That was oh man, yeah. Oh, always, always. I'm here. Um, I had to give my support to show my respect for your time and teachings, man. You know. Um, Yeah, bro. Thank you, God. I I appreciate that. Means a lot. Definitely. Let me just drop this last thing, man. Um, I expect great things from everyone on the line tonight, including an extra $10,000 for me and everyone on the line right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. Manifest that. We expect yes, great man. things. That's extra $10,000 for each one of y'all. That's for everybody, man. You and a car for you and a car for you. It's like they did an Oprah. And a car for you and a car for you. Everybody get cars. Yeah, man. Let's burn something on that. <laughs> let's burn something on that together tonight, man. And uh, burn some paper yeah, for that. Exactly. And uh, make sure, you know what I mean? Burn that on four corners. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Boy. You know what I mean? Straight up. I can do yeah, it. Yeah, man. I just man. want to say peace to the God, Joey, man. I appreciate peace you. Peace to the God, bro. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, man. Much love to you, bro. Same to you. Peace to the God. All right. Peace, God. Peace, God. Okay. Um, where we at? All right. Let's go to two five three four seven six. Still alive. Yeah. Peace to the God, Joey. Great show. How you, how you doing, brother? Peace to the God. Doing great. How you doing? Well, I'm wonderful. I think, no complaints. I think you already you answered my question already when you broke down the meaning of civilian. So that means that if mm-hmm. we refer to ourselves as civilian, we might as well just say that we were civilly dead. Yes, and just like calling yourself a residence, and the first word of, of residence is res, and the word res relates to trust property. Uh-huh. Yeah. And another meaning behind that resident thing also because we just got some citizen cent I mean censor census uh paperwork and I, I wrote on a no contract uh refuse for cause and sent it back. But I looked it up what resident mean, I learned that years ago. It it's a Latin word that means a thing identified. 
That's right. <laughs> so that, that, that means a, that a they... Thing, not, not even a human. Yeah. A, a creature. A yes. And most people don't even know that. When mm-hmm. I, it just blew me away when I when I learned what that really means. My God, we've been telling people that oh, I have a residence here. I'm at this residence, and I'm referring to myself as a thing. As a thing, a creature in law. Man, that is really fucked up. Isn't that really. something? We got to be real. Yes, it is. That's why when you go to court, they ask you. Well, sir, what's your residence? Yeah. It's really sad. It's trickery. They playing with them words. Yeah, I explained it to my sister's, uh, to my daughter's boyfriend yesterday, and his eyes, his mouth just fell right up, and he didn't even know what that meant. Resident. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. I got that word we talked about earlier, civilian. Same thing. Prisoner of war. Yeah. Dead. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really sad that we live on a planet where the people at the top want to place all the other people in slavery. That, you know, that's really sad. That's re- when I think about it. I, I, humanity, I agree. It's monopoly. It's really sad. You know, all the pedophile stuff sad. going on. You, either, yeah. Movie stars drinking children's blood and raping the kids and stuff. It's really sad if they knew uh, all the kids that don't. Donald Trump just uh, rescued 600 kids out of somewhere in one of these states here, uh, and they're getting them treatment and everything now. But if they rescuing so many kids, it's pathetic. In the underground tunnels, and then after they get the kids out, they're blowing everything up. This is a really screwed up world that we live on here, really. I mean, it's really sad oh, when yeah. you really think about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, hell, hell yes it is. And, and the thing is, is that a lot of people don't like Trump, but Trump has actually been doing a lot of things to help a lot of people. Quiet. Yes, he is. I, I saw something other day where he said, he says, you know, there's a lot of rich people who don't like what I'm doing. He says, so I'm just gonna do it quietly now. Y'all ain't gonna hear from me too much no more. That's what he said. Yeah, I I just received some information that Donald Trump. Before he incarnated onto the planet Earth here, this was his agreement that he was going to do. He was going to come down here, and he was going to do exactly what he's doing now, is draining the swamp. It's not an accident. He made this agreement when he was on the other side. He's going to come down here. He's definitely draining the swamp. (laughs) Yes, he is. He's got so many people going crazy because he won't do what they want him to do. Oh, I know, I know, and, and, I just and, and that's why he's also, so well, he's so well protected, at, you know, by, by these people. I know, because he's on his agenda. He, he sometimes he plays both sides of that fence too. Let's keep it real. I know. He, well, he has to do that because you, you need to let your enemy know. See, I think he, it's, it's something about the art of war, where you don't really let your enemy know everything that you're doing, so you play like you're still on his side a little bit. So I think that's what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what the art of war says is 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 when you're close, make the enemy think you're far away, and when you're far away, make the enemy think you're close. Right. Yeah, I just got some info that uh, there's been five attempts made on Donald Trump's life within the last month. They said that every time that Donald Trump gets on the 
every time that he gets on his jet to go somewhere, there's a thousand other helicopters and a thousand other jets that go up all at the same time that he's going up. And then he turns his, or what they call it, a responder. I think that's the proper word. His, his responder, he turns his off so they can't identify what plane he's on. Oh, yeah. 100%. I agree. That's exactly what it is. You know, he, we live on a planet he, of monsters. <laughs> you, you know, it's really good. You and Jonah are really teaching us how to come out of the belly of the beast. There's no, to be perfectly honest with you, you there's no price that you really can place on the, the information that y'all teaching us. It really isn't. Well, that's true. I, I saw a quote the other day I posted on my Instagram. It says, you're allowed to change the price that it costs to access you. You know, and, you know, if if, if we if we was to, to, to really put our, 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 our prices where they should be, we would be out of reach for every brother and sister that's listening. And, and, but but that's not but that's not honorable and it's not fair, you know. And the right thing to do is to make your shit where other people can 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 get free too, you know. Right. Hell, rich people need to know. stop. You know. I know. You know, I, I stopped right. the guy out yesterday. You know, I mean, it's, it's guy's worth a lot of money, but you know, he's paying what a regular person's paying for the info. Because, because you know, what's what's the point in taking? Like, I'm, I'm, I just don't see the point in taking a bunch of money to do something for somebody that, you know, um, eventually is going to help a whole bunch more people. So you can help more people instead of charging one person out the ass just because they got money. You can help a whole bunch of people, right? Same type of money, make more influence. Yeah. Like Jonah that's would say, it. that's the honorable thing to do. Yeah, man. Definitely. It is. It is. Yep, true. Definitely. But anyway, good show. I want to get off and let somebody else get on. Uh, thanks Thanks a lot for hey everything. God. Peace to the God. Hey God. Good talking to you. Peace to the God. All right, a couple more calls. Let's go to uh, 612 730. You're on the line. Peace, peace, Joey Bay. Peace, peace. Just 10 a minute. It's your brother. Peace. It's your brother, Noble J. Out here in Minnesota. Um, What's up, God? Peace. Two things, man. You, you killed it with that political subdivision. Yeah, that's my sweet spot in the over this education, man. I'm deep in there because you go really, you really, you know, it's it's more of an acquired taste. You know, some people like cognac, some people like gin. When you go off, and yeah. you do your, when you do your autonomy, you got a, I got a whole catalog, fam. Just set aside for just you and your autonomy. You go, you go political subdivision. <laughs> you go Aboriginal government, yo. I told you, you even went in on how to make money as a trust during the COVID. And what I did, Joe, I went in. I told you before, I went in and um, I actually got a contract with the local government to allow me to record for them. So I'm going to start to, like, record. So you need the documents recorded. Oh, that's, so that's right. You can yeah. go to me. So, yeah. so you, you the father of that, bro. I want to tell you that I, I, I eat every day, bro. Oh, I'm not thank you, bro. I'm that jewel, bro. And we really I'm appreciate honored, bro. it, so. Absolutely. I'm honored. And I'm glad you found that, that jewel. That made it, bro. We, we living, bro. Bro, please. We got that tribal ID that you gave us, and brother. We we out here living, bro. It's, it's, I, 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 I truly feel sorry for people who feel like they're in danger when they leave their house. Brother, 
be safe out here. State troopers, very yeah. hands off when they see when they see, brother. I can go to I can go to Walmart, brother, which is tax exempt, brother, and they give me money back on receipts that I take back because they tax me three years. So, brother, this is a good exactly. life. We eat like it's Thanksgiving, bro, and we appreciate it. Hey. Facts, bro. I'm you know, honest, we don't speak to you that much, bro. That's like so a testimony. I was talking, yo, Shaka says, yo, yo, I want y'all to all go stay with to Joey. And I was like, you know what? I ain't even telling that brother thank you. And I ain't speaking to you in two years. You walked me through the estate yo, and all I, that. I appreciate you. Thanks, God. My man, my man. Because, you know, sometimes you got to feel like I want, I, you know, motherfucker don't feel appreciated. He can just stop showing up. And we don't want that, bro. <laughs> yeah, word, word. For real, bro. Word, I, I you know what I'm saying? Man, nigga, that's me. Bro, nigga a can't get back and give you some love, bro. Um, yeah, also, no, um, no, I want to just You know, because, I mean, y'all don't got to fuck with us. You know, you ain't got to fuck with us. And you, you really gave us all of yourself, brother. And I swear to you, 2015, 16, I'm really just opening up these, these, these MREs and I'm eating off this shit. You know, when you said yeah, when you said that brother so go through brother, listen. That do business as a trust by everybody panicking. My whole squad got them um got them disaster loans. My whole crew is like it's real. It's real, Joey. This shit is real and I I really feel bad for people who don't have like I'm I'm sorry, I love it. It's really flipped it into commerce. That's that's so dope. But brother, it's more it's more sad now because now it's an exclusive club. So now that yeah. the shit hits the fan, you gonna have to go back and listen to about forty shows just to catch up. So, you know. Yeah, you go, ain't go, lying. Yeah, go, and go, I, I remember when I dropped it. that show too. Boy, that man, that, that man, was back in like man. March, damn near. You know. Hey, hey, you went platinum when you did that autonomous government fan, and then you split and said, look. Political subdivision. That was some real, real. It was some real heavy shit, man. And I don't know what made you do that. I said, damn, nobody ready for that shit. I went to Florida, and man, brothers really got sub- political subdivision. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So yep. Yep. I went to speaking I, on. You see, speaking I brought it on, back tonight. Yeah. Not only that, only that, Joey. What what you did was you had me going all over the world in real time seeing what treaties apply to me, right? And what we mm. found out is that I ran across a treaty from the African Union, 2012. Yo, man, and this is why I can say, Joey, that, you know, this ancestral shit, this shit bigger than you, man. There's no way you could have thought of this yeah. shit. The ancestors was right. like, yo, fam, going to be a vessel to get this shit. Because the shit you dropped, fam, and you look at a 2012 treaty from the African Union all 68 nations and a, a joining island, fam, they agree that everybody in the African diaspora can get citizenship, can claim refugee mm-hmm. status, right? Mm-hmm. And you should be going to the nearest embassy right now in politics. And please look up that treaty, Joey. In yep. conjunction with yep. what you've already been teaching us, exactly so just hear me out. I come into myself the way you've been sharing with us, with my process, but the um, understanding that um, Immigration and Nationality Act, that public law that you dropped, also understanding yep. political subdivision, autonomy. We non-belligent, in a non-belligent fashion, in a formal fashion, mm-hmm. you come into your own trust. 
you turn around and go to the embassies and have them honor the treaty that they had. So they came at us um, um, when you talk about a court. What they agreed is mm-hmm. African-American is so stressed out, not, not African-Americans as we being more, but they're saying, look, you being a more, you part of the Maghreb, and Maghreb is, the, is Africa, the farthest west. So you still down with that, brother. You ain't got to say you African American. Exactly. So they are voting mm-hmm. on that. Part Unanimously. That's right. The brothers yeah. that are yep. what we call bill powers, they're not educated enough to know. They're not, just because a brother not organized, don't mean that he don't need our help. So that's what they were saying in this treaty. It's called the, it's called the, uh, it's called the African Diaspora Summit Accord. And they saying, look, they stressing our brothers in America out so much that the brothers don't even have the fortitude to ask us for help. Fuck that. We're going to extend the help. Anybody yep. in the diaspora, yep. and we consider the strongest in Region 6, so they already voted. Even if you don't fuck with us, brother, you call yourself a Moor, you Aboriginal Moor, we still fuck with you. Yeah, the land broke apart yeah, exactly. from Maghreb yep. on West Africa. So we no don't quest, have to give up no our autonomy. We mm-hmm. don't have to give up that autonomy. That's why, now, this yep, is also that's why what you just said, brother. Brother, what you just said, brother. The treaty on top of the treaty. The treaty is referencing already treaties. They saying clearly, them brothers that's disorganized, we still going to extend our help to them. Well, Gambia got an automatic right now. You can go to the embassy right now, especially if you're in your proper person like you and Jonah have been teaching us. You right now, you can go to any embassy in the African Union and you bossed up right now. So what you've been teaching us, brother, this shit is a life saver, Joey. I'm telling you. I've been traveling. Since you gave us that ID, brother, I traveled all over the country, brother. Uh, went to Mexico That's once, dope. brother. I like, and I don't I like have your a passport. I don't have a passport, brother, <laughs> and, and I owe a little child support. Back in with that, huh? I ain't even do my petition, right. brother. I've been living off an injunction. Your tax exempt ID, brother, and this trust shit. I don't pay Man, out of my dope. own my house free and clear. I'm trying to fight the property tax with this last webinar y'all did. I'm working on that. But, brother, we eat like it's Thanksgiving every day, and we love you. Man, you know I, what I'm saying? Man, I we love strong that, in Thanks, bro. We strong in Minnesota, that's, that's brother, tough. and we fight. We, we grow our own food, and niggas is prepped up. Non-belligerent. Yeah, I, I'm going to link so, some people with please. you, too, that I know from Minnesota who, who, who need oh, to be no, we, we, we here for you. Look at that treaty, please, Joey. It's the Declaration of Global I African I, Diaspora I'm Summit. So, now, so some you know, other brothers doing online doing something diplomatic. Day. He's trying to appeal to the Negro, you know, trying to they trying to lure the Negro into understanding the importance of having a liaison. Yeah. Us as Moors, we we have we have two hundred years we, no we created international we commerce and treaties. Please, we so we don't need no um, liaison. We are only liaison. Yeah, man. So I wanted to ask you about that treaty. If you, we can, you know, I, I hit you, I, I shoot you an email or something later to get your response on that. But I wanted to ask you um, and share with the listeners right now the United States Mint. I deal with a, I deal with uh, Miles Franklin, their yeah. dealer, um, and they just rejected his request to get three thousand ounces of gold from the U.S. Mint. So I want you to understand okay. what's going on. This shit that Jonah Bank and Joey's been teaching us about understanding these instruments and being commercially mature, commercially sound, the dollar has lost 90% of its value. 
You know what I'm saying, Joey? I went to Mexico. He didn't want my money, and I had a bag. So I want you to understand the dollar has no value, okay? Um, the, the, the company that's pretending to be the United States, they don't have silver mm-hmm. or gold. It, the gig mm-hmm. is up. The emperor wears no clothes, fam. So you, in order to be able to eat, it's going to get real rough on you. If you don't have your nationality, you better have an injunction or something because by New Year's Day, you, you will starve if you're not on the books. You're going to have to go back Go to them archives Go to that Joey Bounds joint Look at what he's telling you about that autonomy You go into it real peaceful To where If, if Khalid Muhammad was saying this shit That nigga be labeled a terrorist But you so by the book with it And it's such a peaceful and harmonious vibe fam. But it's some real heavy shit it's some real, yeah, real I, I appreciate that, man. That's what diplomats do. Joey, bro. listen, man. That's, that's, I think, and that's what on, I'm saying. That's, you know, that's, like, that's, you spit, you spit diplomat shit. Fam, you spit this shit so frequently that I think sometimes, like, you know, you just, you just Jordan. You just show up for the game, nigga. You shoot a couple 30 footers and, you know, it's what you do. <laughs> but I'm explaining to you that this shit, fam, this shit, fam, is reaching, bro. Yeah. This is serious. Yeah. This right. is not civics, brother. This is high level international jurisprudence, yeah, this brother. Is this is high level shit. Yeah, it's higher learning. Man, I'm talking to the State this, Department. Like one nigga said, it's higher learning like, like Remy. Brother, yeah, I'm bro. using I'm using your fucking tax exempt shit to go on federal buildings and the federal we talking like I'm not having no small state troopers is like exactly. your good money grips. Just don't speed, be careful. <laughs> Man, listen. It's really good. But yeah. Our, our next transition, yeah, Joey, like, where we go from here? Congratulations. We got to start doing international. The international community, their hands are tied. They can not They can only put the mandate out there like, Joey, we fucks with you. But you got to go to the embassy with your feds yep. and let them know, yo, yep. I'm striving yep. to adhere to the treaty y'all put out for us. Y'all reach for us. Yep. Ain't no paper terrorism yep. here. The mother for all the presidents unanimously agreed we fucking with Joey and them. We got to go fuck with them now. Yep. I'm going to do a show on that tree. Forward, Don't man. even worry about Take it. Forward. I may step into that next weekend. That oh, might please. be next weekend's show. Please. I know once you yeah, come on I'll, that, you're going to be able to. Right. Oh, yeah. So that's you already know. I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna tie that in next weekend. I appreciate you coming. Yeah, man, and I don't want to take a good man, but I, you know, I want you to, you know, I want you to feel appreciated. No, you you can keep on, you know, doing your research, man. Love is love, my brother. Islam, peace, peace, God. Islam, God, peace. Yeah, that's powerful. I'm gonna do a show on that, man. We're gonna we're gonna ride on that next weekend because I think that'll be powerful. We'll, We'll complete our our treaty series with that. Alright, three three six seven two two, what up? Man, what up, man? Shout out to the God from Minnesota, Islam. Yeah, yeah. Islam did that button. Man, that's man, I tell you what, you know, he hey, he he right, man. I just had to echo his sentiments, man. He right, you know, you drop it five shit tonight, bro. You know? Yeah, I appreciate and, that, um, man. This is just this is just in line with what what the ancestors have in line for me to even bring to y'all, man. But you know, I didn't plan on dropping these treaty series, but it's time. Well, you just Parents showing us how to better perfect our foreign state, man. You know? Yeah. Man, that that, that policy. Yeah, right. Right. 
right, right. So I was like, man, I mean, overall, great show. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I miss the elder. We ain't hear no drum from the elder, so we don't know. We don't really know how we supposed to be, you know, the rhythm we supposed to be using the march with, you know. You know, he, you you know. know, you know, he normally drops them drums for us on, um, normally, I, I, I'm going I'm to pull them in before we get out. He normally drops them drums on our set show for us, though. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. You had me up in here rocking mm-hmm. to Chaka Khan. I was about to start breakdancing, Joey. I was almost to Chaka in here. Chaka Khan. She's taking me back to the 80s. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Yeah, oh, man. man. You know I got to give but it, the, but give the it brother, to you a little bit, man. To the garden foreclosure, man, um, you know, uh, I, I want to encourage him to just keep fighting, use his discovery, you know, and, 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 and challenge yeah, the um, – Challenge the trust. Challenge the trust that they're using to come at him with because usually they're going to have substitute trustees as attorneys in the case. And and whoever that trust is is coming against him, it would behoove him to, to use a discovery to ask them to prove the existence of that trust. And I, and I suspect mm-hmm. you'll find out that they're basically a fictitious people. They're they're bad actors, basically. They're they're stealing land, and, and they don't. And the trust really doesn't even exist. That's what I think you'll find out. You know. You know? Oh yeah, exactly. But exactly. But um, yo, you know, and that, that, you that them girl we talk. Right, 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 right. The webinar right. we talked on right. Uh, right. moving the deed over that'll help them too. Yes, it will. Yes it yes it will. Yes it will. Yes it will. Joey, you I mean you you right back to this you right back to that Bible again. You back to that canon and that ecclesiastical law and stuff. Uh yeah, you know yeah, I know, I know. But you know, I try to you know, it's funny 'cause I, I you 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 remember when I did that religion show. Yes. Right? And I was dropping out that yes. religious shit, um, and I was tying it into the trust. A lot of people didn't really grasp that show. That was a heavy show we did there too. Yes, you know, it was. Like I, oh, I, I, I can, so I can drop that shit, man, with no problem. But sometimes it flies over niggas' heads. The no whole shit about man, war, being a belligerent, the long war. Come on, man, that's in the can, right? You bringing it right back to them tonight, right back to them tonight. You showing me the book of their ancestors, man, is is valid and relevant in this oh, thing. And now when you. You study that, wow. and you see how they're moving and how they're making them treaties. All right, yep. I'm mean, getting to the point. I almost thought. I, I mean, I, I, I'm close to it, but I almost thought, along with the treaties and the governing law of the trust, I, I'm, I'm tempted to put maybe the first five books in that Old Testament in there, man. Real talk. Oh, no. oh, I would. You know, I would. I, look, look, man. You know, you know. The thing is, is that. If the the Old Testament it deals with Hebrews, so it deals with your ancestors, you know, right? And and it does give you a foundation. You don't always taught that. Religious, yeah, it gives you a principal foundation. You know, right. it's, and it's okay to add that to the trust if you need to. A lot of niggas want to get away from the religion part of it, but you know, right? It doesn't right. have to be religion. It could be canon. In other words, don't throw the baby out with the bath water, huh? Yeah, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Word, word, baby, word. That baby might, might kill the religion and don't see the, the laws of the ancestors. Facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, look, man, uh, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, uh, bro, 
that trust ID uh, uh, that the God was mentioning is pretty dope, huh? You 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 getting them tax exempt yeah, and everything solid. else, and the God moves. Yeah, yeah, it's wow. solid. It's solid. I I took them off the website, so if people want them, they gotta holler at me privately to get them. But yeah, I I have to get them. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, you know, based on that, I'm, I, you know, um, um, well, then you know what? I already got one of those, didn't I? I think I already got one. You did no. one for me a while uh, back, didn't you? You got, got one. You got you got one of the you got one of the older ones. The the, the new ones are specific okay. to the trust. Yep. Ah, they 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 ah. designed completely different. Gotcha. I'll move on that with you in the private thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay. also going to need to yeah, hit you, you in the problem about copying a whip through the truck. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah. I'm going to be talking about all of that, too, in the webinar coming up this Saturday, too. Oh, straight up? All right. Well, yep. look, man, because I need to get with you about copying a whip through that trust too, through that foreign state. You know what I mean? Because I know you don't know hey, about that you. life. You don't know you. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, here yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's right. Well, well, let me ask you this about this nationality thing because, man, I'm celebrating a moment that really touched me deeply. I just got my mother to sign an affidavit, man, stating that I'm a Moor, stating that oh, I have a title of nobility, man, and saying that, and and was saying that the contract that I was entered into was was without my consent, man. Mom, sign that thing. So you, you know she's the grandson. You need to use that in conjunction. Yeah, you need to use that in conjunction with the passport, and and then you can put it on the record with that with with that whole nationality you were trying to do in the court. It, that for whatever exactly. reason, taking you some years to accomplish that that part, but get the passport done. Right, right, you right. You need to put it in your trust. Okay, put the passport in the trust too. Okay, okay. That's no, don't put the passport in the trust. You don't. Own, you, don't you don't own that. Okay. Don't 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 put that in right. the trust. You put that affidavit with the passport application, uh, and then you put the affidavit into the trust. Don't put the passport in the trust. Uh, you don't own that. You can, don't you know, you worry, I'm, man. I'm 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 gonna get a conversation with you. Can put it on the okay, okay, okay. Got you. Got you. Okay. Well, man, that's, that's, that's it for me, man. I'm going to move back and let, let somebody okay, else God. come through, man. You know, it's always great chopping it up with you. Uh, you'll get that Likewise, text, God. man, and, and we'll build. Yeah, we'll should build. be a text. Okay. All right. All right show tonight, bro. All right. Peace, Thank God. you, God. Peace. All right. We got another caller. I'm going to make a quick announcement. Make sure you go to makemorecommerce.com. Sign up for that webinar, man. Um, Coming up this weekend. I'm going up on the price tomorrow, uh, Monday. So the pre-registration will end tonight, and then we'll jump up to the regular price tomorrow. All right, for the for the actual webinar itself. All right, um, the webinar does come with documents. All right, and we will be going over insurance, how to put all your shit, and trust insurance, bond. Then we're gonna go over all that, and then we're gonna do some estate planning too. All right, so it'll be a good webinar for y'all. Uh, six three six two four nine. You are on the line. Oh, peace to the guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to raise my hand again real fast. Um, okay. You know what? Great show. I I mean to. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Peace, God. 
I pick up. All right. Um, so next week I'm gonna go into the next part of this this uh, this series for these treaties. We'll go over that that treaty that brother brought up. Tell you how to use that properly because I know exactly what treaty he's talking about. So we'll, we'll go into that because that's not the first time it's been brought up. Um, shit. Other than that, man, it's been a good show. I don't got too much else. Oh, if you want to get the executive letter, you can go to my website and pick that up, makemorecommerce.com. All right. Um, we make them specific to your issue. So if you got an issue and you need that letter, hit me up. I got you. We'll knock that out for you. And also, I'd like to announce starting next month, uh, we're going to be having a regular class, right? Um, and I'll, I'll announce more about it. Um, it will be a regular webinar. Uh, I'll do one once a week, all right, um, on a different subject. Right? And you can you can pay to get in, preserve your spot. It'll be limited seating. All right, and we'll go over some specific things to trust that we haven't went over. All right, other than that, man, um, there was something else I wanted to tell y'all. Um, what the hell else? Shit, I can't even remember, to be honest with y'all, man. I think that's it. I'm I'm out of it. All right, I'm done. That's my spiel. I'll see y'all next week. Oh, I know what it is. Make sure y'all come in on a Saturday show, man. Y'all ain't been getting on that Saturday show. Come in on Saturdays, man. I got the next three episodes y'all don't want to miss. On Saturday, okay? We're going to be going into Brandon this weekend coming up. Then the following weekend, we got a sister coming in that's going to talk to us about securities. Okay? How to get securities for your business. You don't want to miss that. Okay? And then the weekend after that, we got a black-owned energy company coming on. All right? All right. So with that being said, man, we out. Peace to the God. Stand on your square. If y'all need something, consultation, whatever, makemorecommerce.com. Peace to the God. Big speaker, big step, still in rotation with the travels and the jackals. Hot boy ride with the pump, asthma. Double R truck, red seat, look plasma. I'm hitting the bitch from the back, got a sand to brand and free all the bros out the can. Never seen him, so we clapping his mans like hands. Why would you play with the clan? F in the N, A in the R. Infrared beam, it glow in the dark. Put in the work and don't tell what you saw. I'm a big driver, controlling the car. Big bang. They riding the wrong or right. Don't matter. Little niggas told choppers my height. Six, three. I flooded the brand and ice. On me. You reach, you playing with your life. Yeah. Big speaker. One thing about it, I'ma stand. I'm not the one. I think you should fuck with Jelly, you know, in advance. I got a goon holding a burner. You can get left with a tan. He a junkie for the dumb shit. Want all the smoke like a strand. Just protecting the brand. Gotta protect the brand. Too much to count. Right now, I don't got enough hands. Right now, it's just me and her with it. They dissing, I know that they wishing. I give them a chance. Never get tricked at the spot. You reach, I blank, you stink. I'm going to the can. Going fit. For protecting the brand. Just protecting the brand. Okay. You know the brand, we winning. Let's go. Better ask about the baby and see what they say. That little nigga ain't playing, he with it. Niggas know I keep firing me 24-7 You get cooked like a pan of skill I protecting the brand I just standing on that I come step on you like you a pair of tennis okay. Ain't that what they call it in Memphis uh-huh. Know a few niggas ballin' in Memphis Ball. Got a bag, I'm a bag, I'ma let you know yeah. If I pull that bitch out, I'ma let it blow Boom. Nigga, you know I'm hot And my bitch a hot girl We'll pop out like we Megan, yo It was time to go rob out the brand And your boy showed his hand And the nigga was scared to go I think these niggas scared of the lake Got a brand, but my brand way ahead of your life We make niggas famous Put one of y'all ass on the news Now your mama scared of the cable Hey, baby, what you gonna do If a nigga walk down and he call himself checking the label? Tell my little brother, pass me that AR Like a master of salt and pepper at the table Cause I'm a big speaker One thing about it, I'ma stand All the way up. I'm not the one, I think you should fuck with Jelly, you know in advance no. I got a goon, holding a burner You can get left with a tan Bye. 
He a junkie for the dumb shit. Want all the smoke like a strain. Just protecting the brain. Gotta protect the brain. Too much to count right now. I don't got enough hands. Right now, just me and her with it. They decent. I know that they wishing. I give them a chance. Never get tricked at the spot. You reach, I blank, you stink. I'm going to the can. Going fed. For protecting the brain. Say what I said. Just protecting the brain. Hey. 